Everyone, how you doing? This is Ray Park. You may know me as Darth Maul in the Phantom Menace, Maul in Solo, and Snake Eyes in G.I. Joe. You're watching me on the Down the Road Show. May the force be with you. Sith rule. Watch out. I'm extremely excited to welcome in the next guest today. His name is Jeff Wolf. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm uh, doing pretty good, all things considered. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. We go back a long ways. Uh, let's tell people why I have you on the podcast today. You're a director, and you got two awesome short films uh, that I love. Let's talk about those first. Sure. Uh, yeah, basically a 25-year stud career that uh, segued into second unit directing. Uh, and while second unit directing some network shows that people might remember, like Revolution or Rush Hour, the TV show, or MacGyver, um, I had some of the networks in pushing to be a director. And of course, they see you as an action guy, as a stunt guy. Say, well, you, we know you can shoot action really great and all that other stuff, but can you get the tone of the scene? So... Um, I said, well, yeah, I'll show you. And I, I, the next week I went and shot a short. I wrote and shot a short in a, in a week, basically. I shot in one day. And, um, and then got it to them, and they loved it. And then I ended up, uh, that, that short, Penance, uh, won, I believe, about 22 or 23 film festivals for Best Actor, Best Director, so on and so forth. Did really well. Which is um, awesome, yeah. Yeah. So that spurred the, the bug kind of to get moving on that direction. And then the next one, that was about a 12-minute short. The next one was a 25-minute short called Day of Reckoning. Uh, I, I like choosing easy uh, topics, not too heavy. So the first one was about um, Catholic school and uh, Catholic priests and child molestation. The second one was about, um, uh, uh, what's called, um, sorry, uh, I need to think right now, the uh, sex trafficking. So, so, um, the, so again, like, you know, I like polarizing subjects, heavy subjects, making people think, maybe making people feel and, um, you know, how better than to throw them and show them a tone of a scene that you can direct and do that stuff with zero action from a guy they expected action from to go and do that. So, yeah, that but, was my... Was but, walking away, but walking away from both of those, neither one, even though they're heavy subject matter, leaves you just walking away feeling just gross and heavy. No. Yeah, I, no, Penance was, was basically a, a turnabout, kind of a, like a, oh, crap, you went there kind of thing. Um, and Day of Reckoning was kind of like the idea, almost like a Joker light before the Joker came out, which to me, what the Joker tells us is uh, there's reasons, not necessarily good reasons, but the behind the, the reasons for actually why somebody is the way they are and does society have a part in that? Um, so Day of Reckoning is kind of the same way in a way you're rooting for, in this case, the bad girl as opposed to the bad guy. Right, right, and and I loved it. I enjoyed seeing it at Comic-Con and I was, uh, I, was, I was just, I was happy uh, uh, yeah, that was fun. That was a, that was a good time. In fact, that that did work out. Uh, you know, sometimes we're doing shorts for reasons. You know, it's not really you're not going to make a million dollars on them, but you're going to get exposure. And the Comic Con one worked out really well for me. That actually led to uh, a, a film, one of uh, three that are out for financing right now. Uh, that actually is with the producer of uh, the creator of Chucky, Child's Play. Uh, Hocus Pocus, Frailty, Curious George, uh, American Tale, Five Goes West, all those things. Oh, all um, the greats. Yeah, yeah. Love all those. Uh, amazing guy. And he came to me uh, with a script. And so we're in the process of working on that and getting that finance to do actually a, a horror movie 
kind of an old school haunting tale, which is really cool. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm really excited about it. I've been working on it. I've been storyboarding. I've been, you know, we, we've actually been together on it for about nine months, and now it's actually out to some bigger production companies for financing. So we'll see where we go. Ooh, I'm excited. Uh, let me tell you, though, when they canceled Revolution, I was pissed. I loved that show. And I was... <laughs> I was... You and me both, because I was that close to directing it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Well, that's one of the reasons I was pissed, yeah. but not just that. Like, me and my sister watched it every week. It was just a fun yeah. show. I love all things, you know, dystopia and things like that, but it was a completely different twist than yeah. any other kind of, you know, than The Walking Dead and all the other dystopia shows yeah. out there, so. Yeah, uh, was, uh, out of all that I've done, that was probably the closest to my heart, because I, I got to do, it was just so creative for me. It was almost like I was directing between creating all the choreography and the characters, doing all the action. I, I got to, I got to, I don't know if you know, I created the swords and therefore the style with the, the hand, you know, with the brass knuckles and the things and all that. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a great show. Uh, yeah, I, I want one of those swords. But that leads me into exactly this, that uh, the Oscars were this weekend and Brad Pitt just won an Oscar for playing a stunt actor. And as far as I'm aware of, he may have just been the very first A-list celebrity ever on the Oscars to tell the Oscars and the academies that they are lacking in stunt performers awards. Now, here's the biggest cop out going on out there that I, I hate this, this is the stupidest thing. And so being a stunt actor yourself and a stunt coordinator and a director, I hate this cop out, so please respond to this. Why they don't want to do add those is because they're afraid that now stunt actors will go above and beyond and get more hurt. And that's the dumbest reason I've ever heard, because if you've ever met anyone who's a stunt actor, that's like telling a skateboarder not to try a 1080. It's right. in your blood anyway. So let's, let's, let's talk about that and how important stunt choreography and stunt actors and all that is to just movies, television, you know, entertainment in general. Sure. I mean, I, I think, A, that's completely asinine uh, for them to, to start off with that one. All that is is it's the next layer of excuses and a long list of excuses. Exactly. Uh, from my 20, whatever, five years in this business, what I know is that old school, like the Academy members have been there for a long time. Some of them have been there for, for decades. And decades ago, the idea was the stunt person is hidden and the actor, you know, there was a suspended disbelief that, that was pushed in all the films and, and such, which was made a lot of sense at the time. But we're 2020 and people know that, that there are doubles and that there are stunt people and that that actor is not jumping off a 30-story building. And even the guys that do, if, if they are jumping off it, it's because somebody else did it before them, tested it, put it together, made sure it was safe and known, and then they could do it. it takes nothing away from the actors like it used to. So that excuse is gone, but the people who are still in that mentality are not all gone from the academy. So there's a bit of that going on. Right. Uh, when you add that, to um, uh, the idea that's mixed up. There's a mix up, I think, between stunt coordinators getting recognized and, and second directors and stunt performers getting an award. I think down the road, there could be a category for a stunt performer that makes sense if it fits in, but just like there's two categories for sound, two categories, two categories for editing, right now, all we're looking for is one. We're looking for one that doesn't have to be televised. We don't have to have the excuse to make the show longer. But one category, it's the Academy of Arts and Science. So it's, it is an art and a science for a stunt coordinator slash second unit director to take a blank, take a script that says a fight scene happens and so-and-so gets away. And then in that time, create this 
crazy fight scene, action, building the building through windows, whatever the hell they do, and make that work for film and make it safe, that those, that, those people, if they had five of those up for an award and we picked the best one for that, that is, that is that person doing their job to add to the art and the science of the motion picture, which as we all know, adds to what they put in the trailer, adds to even what they show in the trailer, even at the Academy Awards half the time, and yet there's still no category. So all this about, you know, it's just another grasping at straws to make an excuse. And I believe that, yeah, Brad was the first one uh, to actually mention it at the awards, which is pretty amazing. The only sad part, and it takes nothing away from what he did, but, but was I think that it's funny how they, they went right to the political comment that he made about it and they right. much about what he said about the stunt thing. So, you know, again, everything that behooves them to ignore it is kind of where they're at right now, but we're getting there. We, I mean, that's definitely a step beyond that we've ever, where, where we've ever been. So. Yeah, and like you said, you know, start with just one award. We're not trying to make the show longer, but it, it is about recognition and all the fight choreographers, the people who set up the action to the people who film it. It's usually a different director a lot of times who actually does the filming of those stunts as well. It's yeah. just as important as a score. Whereas in John Williams is one of my favorite pe people who have ever scored a movie. He scored every favorite movie I've ever had, pretty much. There's, yeah. you, there's certain fight choreographers and stunt actors that are your A-list people that work in the industry. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We like, we like to call them talented motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you are talented as hell, too. Uh, so, yeah, we've been friends a long time, and I've loved watching you and your career, so I'm super excited to, for that to get budgeted and to see what you direct. Uh, so as someone who's, uh, you know, I mean, big budget, is where the money is and those always have action in it like you know I, I every time i watch you getting butt kicked by scarlett johansson it makes me happy right yeah these budgets are fun no doubt yeah so uh what is it that you're watching what are you geeking out on what have you been like nerding out on lately wow that's a really good question uh and and the reality is it's funny i've been i've been so focused on on the directing and the things that I'm doing. There's two things that I'm doing right now. One is a lot of horror movies. So I've been watching every horror movie that's out there um, and, and, and enjoying them, but it was never really my genre. Like it was always action. You, so you have to, yeah, you have to. Those horror genre nuts are crazy nuts. And I'm talking to a lot of my Facebook friends right now. And I'm literally going to movies that like, there are five people in the audience and it just came out, but I have to be in the movie to see it. So I did like guess like two days ago I did that. Um, but so that, that, and then the other thing I'm actually doing right now, which is interesting is I'm, I'm, I'm doing a documentary. I'm starting in about three weeks. I'm, I'm directing a documentary and kind of way different out of my ballpark, but it kind of fell in my lap and it's an amazing story. It's about cerebral palsy. Oh. Um, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's actually a guy who escaped communism in um, Poland, came to America, won two gold medals as a U.S. Olympic gold medalist and then uh, started training this kid with cerebral palsy and made a difference in his life. And so we're- That's a story that needs to be told, yeah. Pretty amazing. So we're heading up to the Bay Area in a few weeks to shoot the first part of that. Uh, we've got about four different locations throughout the States to go track certain people down and talk to people. Hoping to have that done by September and see if we can get it into Sundance by next year. That's the plan. 
Yeah. So yeah, you're just doing a lot of research right now. And that's, and that's a lot of the key in the industry. People think, Oh, you've done one thing and you're famous, you know, for all the regular people out there, right. the actors, directors, the regular people like you with just extraordinary jobs. But if you're not pushing and you're not out there constantly, even trying to create your own content, then you're not working. It's insane. I'm, I mean, literally I'm here in my office. I've got three projects that I've written that I've got on the board. I've got two or three films, like I said, with the, the, the Chucky creator, and then this documentary that we're doing right now, and you walk into a Starbucks and once in a blue moon, somebody will go, are you the guy that got your head smashed in and drive or something? And you know, and people think like, oh yeah, you're, you're set, dude. You were blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, I worked a week on that. Like, that's not, you know, the story of my life. This is, this is what we do. But, but the blessing is on the other side of that coin, this is what we do. Like I have this office in my house and I sit here and I put this stuff together and once in a while we get to go out and make it, so. Yeah, which, which I'm rooting for, you know, everybody out there who's cre creative and is trying to create their own stuff. And you got, you got to keep working and you got to keep pushing. I'm still the same fat nobody on the internet that I was 10 years ago when we met. <laughs> hey, you're not nobody, you're my friend. <laughs> Thank you, and 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 I love you. I was at his wedding, so he's not right. fucking talking shit. I'm gaining a bit of weight sitting here right now too, so we're good. Uh <laughs> All right. Well, you know what? I decided I want to get back to an old segment that I started ten years ago on how I used to end every interview, and so I'm going to start that with you oh, on this shit. podcast. Okay. Oh. All right. Here we go. Who's your favorite superhero? Oh God! I wish that I had. We were in my theater right now because we would have a a full uh, frame of this, but we're not, uh, literally a full figure. But since we're not, I'm gonna have to pull this in right next to me here and have, uh, and have this guy talk to you. I'm gonna let you guess. Uh, not that dad. Hmm. <laughs> Be quiet, kid. No, not that <laughs> You could be doing your own viral videos with that cow, that's gorgeous. Wow, okay, I'm a little jealous. Uh, as a Superman fan, I'm jealous of that cow right there. That's gorgeous. Who's your favorite villain? Ooh, my favorite villain. I think Loki is actually, crazy enough, my favorite villain. The reason I like Loki is that he goes back and forth. It's like any good movie, like who do you trust? Who do you whatever? It's not so much about the power, it's that he kind of gets in and then every time he like, he's out for his own thing and you're always like, are you serious? You know what I mean? I think he's a great character. I think his own movie or his own thing would be, and plus he, he's been played in the movies really well by who's Hilson. He's amazing. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hiddleston's amazing. And they are actually doing a series. So it's like yeah. the series will be a prequel. I'm excited for that. And you're right. Nothing like a character that plays mind games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's super powerful like that, but on top of everything else is, is not, it's not like a one trick pony. It's always like, what the hell is going on with it? I think that's, that just levels to any character is way more interesting. So it's a cool, cool character. Absolutely, I agree. And then, so who's your real life hero? Who inspires you? Real life hero, that's a good one. Um, I have so many superheroes and everything else written that a real person Hmm, that's a good one. I think uh, if I had to pull anybody out, interestingly enough, this, not to, to brown nose or whatever, but the reality is, is that this producer that I'm working with that created these shows is probably like for somebody like that to come and see somebody and, and like the history and the things that I've done and, and been through and those things to see like the, the, um, 
the inspiration and the like the creativity and the gift and the drive to do something and break out of the shell and the mold and do these things uh, somebody who's done it themselves uh, that, that's somebody that I think that is that is worth looking up to and, and has done it before themselves and then has the kind of wherewithal to continue that there's a lot of people I, I find in this world you know not to get too heavy but that will make it on their own and make their own way and that's the end of the story because they've made it and then they get to put it on Instagram and Facebook all day and look down their nose at everybody else. It's few and far between that those people that have get there, then they turn around and they put their hand back out for somebody else. Um, you know, so, so anybody that's really like that, they're actually, they're, they're, their effect is multiplied. They might, I mean, this guy in all that he does gives a lot of jobs, a lot of work to people and that, that stuff. But when you're doing that and then you're being the same person and you're allowing other people to be that same kind of person, that person then gets to put hands out and let people, you know, climb the ladder and help them up as well. So the net is cast really wide. So I think to me, that's kind of a, you know, that's a heroic thing because it's something that you don't have to do. You do it because it's who you are. Right. And part of creating your own legend and is paying it forward and helping those around you. Uh, because otherwise, you know, like you said, what, else, what kind of legacy, that's the word I'm looking for. What kind of legacy are you leaving behind? Yeah, exactly right. Absolutely. And that's kind of an interesting segue into the point of all this and where I'm at today is, you know, is the first 20 something years of this was Jet Li movies and Jackie Chan and, and, and Van Damme and Hong Kong and Thailand and all these cool places and all the martial arts stuff and the action. It was amazing. Don't get me wrong. But now there's a second act and it's basically, you know, it's, it's dad to a nine year old and 11 year old in a world that's around us. And what do I, what do I leave to those guys and around and what effect do I have? What is my legacy? What's left behind? And if Clint Eastwood's doing movies into his 80s, then I can be creative just the same and have 20 or 30 years that maybe in that second act, God willing, I can do something and leave something else behind that's interesting. And the, the responsibility of leaving two, two good human beings to like preserve that and move forward with it. So. Absolutely. I, I agree. And I love your family. Tell them all hi for me. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Where can everybody out there find you, find your uh, social media, your websites, so that way they can actually find your films and uh, go give them a look. Yeah, thank you. Uh, really, the, the main thing, the, do you know that Facebook has a 5,000 friend limit? Because that's weird to me, but, but it is. Uh, it, it, so Facebook is out there, but I think there's like 12 spots left. So get on. Um, <laughs> um, but Instagram, uh, once in a while, I'll throw something up on there. And it's uh, jwolf with an E, director. J-W-O-L-F-E, director, um, at J-Wolf Director on Instagram. So best place to get it. Excellent. And you can just follow the links in the comment section of this video on YouTube like usual. Uh, it's a pleasure catching up with you, Jeff. Uh, look forward to seeing you in person once uh, I'm back in California again one day. Awesome, man. It would be fun. I should have I worn my, my Batman shirt. It would be Batman versus Superman. But uh, yeah, we did. We could, we, could, we could have that discussion. That's a whole other hour-long podcast for sure. I'm in my theater because the Batman I have down there is actually the, the six-foot-four Ben Affleck version that's in there. So not my favorite Batman. However, it's the statue. So it's cool. Okay. Our next interview will be from your own home then. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, follow Jeff Wolf. Check out all of his films and past stuff like Revolution. Love that show. And uh, brother, we will see you somewhere down the road. Sounds awesome. Thanks for having me. All right. Very excited to welcome in my next guest. I have known this guy for quite a while, but one of the movies that I'm very excited to talk about with him, Sushi Girl, he was involved in. I love this movie yeah, so yeah. much. Welcome, Neil Fisher. How you doing, buddy? Hey, hey, thank you. How you doing? 
I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Uh, man, Sushi Girl isn't like any other type of movie I've really seen out there. It's a hodgepodge of. It reminds me of Quentin Tarantino versus like other types of filmmakers versus in the writing, in the filming, and everything. It's got Tony Todd in it, the Candyman. It's got Mark Hamill, who is I've never seen him play a yeah. character like this ever whatsoever. Go. Ah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, it, it was really a, a, a labor of love. A, a good friend of mine, Kern Saxton, who co-wrote it uh, with Dustin Pfaff and directed it, uh, came to me and asked, and originally they were going to do uh, like a fifteen uh, $15,000, uh, really ultra, ultra small budget. They'd have their friends all acting in it. Um, and they basically, knowing that I, I'm kind of the the resident uh, specialist about Japan. Uh, they're like, hey, where would you know? Where do you know of a sushi place we could, you know, maybe borrow, you know, the, uh, during an evening and shoot, you know, over a weekend or something like that over the week. Right. And right. I and I so I read the script and I'm like, well, I think it has a lot of potential. Oh yeah. Uh, I really love the idea. I, now what it came to, there was a lot of rewriting. We we rewrote it for about a year. Uh, uh, me, Kern, uh, Destin, and other other direct other producer Surin, um, and and so it took us about a year to really get the script down solid. Lots of lots of discussions and everything. But I basically at first I told him, okay, I I um, I, uh, I would only be involved if we did made a couple of changes. One was uh, I said, okay, I have a potential location. But I don't want to blow the location on a, you know, on a 15k movie. <clears throat> um, kind of been saving it for one of my own projects. Uh, um, and second, we need to, you know, actually have, you know, real cast. Now that doesn't mean that I was against the people that they had already in line. Right. The point was just I want to, I want to bring, I want to bring in, power. I want to bring in more money. Um, and, and I want people to, you know, uh, unless they are a big name with a long history of, and we know a hundred percent what they'll bring, I want them to audition. So, you know, and then, so obviously things evolved from there. Uh, yeah, I ended up bringing in, uh, a, a good friend of mine and his company, his partners to, to predominantly, uh, finance the film. Uh, we we ended up shooting at my my super secret special location, which was Fung Lum Chinese restaurant, which doesn't exist anymore. It was torn down. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it, you know, our projects was one of the last. You know, Sushi Girl was one of the last uh, feature length projects to be filmed there. Um, and I had filmed on it, filmed there several years earlier, and was friends with the location manager. And so yeah, I mean, they they charged us. 10% of the going rate, daily going rate. They're just like, hey, you know, basically, they just charged us for the paperwork. <laughs> you nice, know. nice, nice. So, but you know, that's that's you know, when you when you don't ask for a lot of favors and and you're you end up giving more favors than getting that, you know, when you do call them in, they tend to be really good. So right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I just obviously it was a dream cast. Uh you know, we you know, we you know I think Destin had really, really had Tony Todd in mind from the very beginning. Uh, a, a guy that that um, 
Kern and I had worked with on a, on a short project that I had I had produced uh, and and created. Um, Andy McKenzie was was just a dead ringer for one of their friends, but was a much more evolved uh, actor that had a lot more uh, experience and and gravitas and brought and a lot of character to the character. We really wanted to bring him in, and so he was technically the first actor hired. Um, while while Destin was chasing Tony around, you know, in, you know, like stalkerish, <laughs> kind of, you know, like dropping this script in his uh in his uh, shopping cart at Trader Joe's or whatever. You, know? <laughs> you got hey, you um, got to you got to work hard, yeah. Hey hey, but yeah, and you know, and then then we had a friend that worked uh um in uh with Mark Hamill's agency, and so we were able to get the script to him and. Originally, he was like, well, this is a little much for me, not really my flavor, but his kids had read the script also, and they're like, hey, dad, you know, you keep bitching that you don't get, you don't get really cool character pieces like Steve Buscemi, so if you don't do this movie, you can never complain about it at the dinner table again, Right. read it again with a kind of a different perspective, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, it was just uh, everyone, I mean, David Desmalchian. Uh, you know, there was actually a scene in which I I was like, okay, this this scene, you know, this whole, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, uh, you know, clean clean your shitter before a gig uh, montage was not gonna happen. I'm just like, that is a stupid dialogue. I don't want it in the movie. Uh, no one, you know, no one could deliver. No one had we seen uh, could deliver it uh, at with, all with the right well. gravitas. I'm just like, no, it's just it's a just a distraction. It's gonna be a waste of our money. We're gonna end up cutting it out. So, you know, and then and then the question is if if that scene isn't in there, do we really even need that character at all? You know? Uh and and then and then we you know, David Desmalchian reached out to us and we uh, you know, and, and we, we hit it off immediately. He read for it and I'm like, we're keeping it. Bam. If you know Kind of helps set the tone. I approve this scene if David does it. And then it's like, yeah, it was, the you know. So, and then there was a long search for Courtney Palm because, uh, you know, uh, Courtney Palm's character, Sushi Girl, because, uh, you know, there's just, she's playing up against uh, actors that are so seasoned. You know, are, they're all seasoned. They've all done big movies. They've all worked in the business a long time. They've, they've you know, some of them were, were classically trained. Um, so yeah, so we needed someone and, and obviously, but there was nudity involved and, uh, you know, so you know, a lot of that, that scared a lot of actresses away. And so we got a lot of, you know, penthouse girls and playboy girls and, you know, girl, you know, women that, that really didn't have a lot of experience actually acting uh and uh or or i guess know how to really command the camera right and yeah. uh, not everybody can immediately uh, immediately uh, i mean courtney was just like we all were like wow and then you know and then we're like oh so she she you know we had them all uh perform a couple different scenes and you know one was in a bikini and then you know so we're like wow okay we you know we all we'd all pretty much we all knew just by looking at each other, we all were really keen on Courtney. And then so we're like, okay, well, what do you feel about nudity? And she 
basically takes her underwear off and threw it on Kern's face and goes, I'm fine. <laughs> like, all yeah. right, okay. Well, I mean, the, the title is Sushi Girl, so yeah. Yeah, well, and yeah, and there were obviously, there, we had, um, I think we all kind of decided at one point uh, that we really wanted Sushi Girl to be the only female in the entire movie. Uh, you know, obviously we do have a, a voice, you know, Destin's wife, Rachel, uh, um, uh, Rachel Federoff uh, does the voice uh, um, in, you know, in, in a scene, but uh, the only, only female on camera is Courtney. And we did that Purposely. very specific. Yeah, it was, yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a hidden feminist movie uh, in many ways. Right. So, uh, you know, but we don't, we don't, we don't want to smack people in the face and tell people what, what it's going to be. It's, it's up for them to, to, they watch the movie. It's a very, it's a slow burn. Oh yeah. Movie. Lot, uh, great you know. plot, lots of twists, things you're not expecting. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. I'm not going to lie, Mark Hamill, the second he walks in, you're just like, holy crap, you're in, you know, you're well, in for a ride. Well, and that's, what's funny because I would say about half the audience that we'd spoken to, or had no idea it was Mark until, you know, 20 minutes or a half hour in the movie. And they're like, what, what is, you know, they, they don't really, cause see, we, we, you know, he had specifically, you know, gained some weight for the role. Um, we had, you know, I mean, I, I had the, the crazy idea with, uh, with our artist Manthos, the one who did, he, Manthos Lapis did the, the posters. Um, so uh, I had this crazy idea to, to have him, you know basically uh, have a print you know a modified prince valiant you know and uh and and of course at first no one wanted no one liked that idea and so i'm desperately trying to tell my partners and i and, and at the same time i'm like facebooking with with manthos who was at the time he was in greece still wow. he wasn't here yet so um I'm messaging with Manthos and I'm saying, you know, do this, do this, do this. And he's like, he's rushing, uh, doing illustrations to try and, you know, because we really needed to decide what, what it was going to be. And so, so we ended up getting it. And then finally everyone's like, Oh, and then, you know, Kern, Kern had some ideas and we all kind of slowly modified it just a little bit. I think Kern had, you know, was like, he was a big fan of, there was a, a, a James Bond character that that had long hair one of the bad guys i forgot which which bond movie it was but uh there was like the this, this duo these two uh these two guys and he had, just, had the floppy thin and and, hair, and one yeah. of them had the floppy thin hair and uh and so then you know once once kern arrived on that then kern was on my side and then then we you yeah, know yeah. we went from there so, yeah, once, once you get Prince Valiant out of the mind, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly, exactly. Was, and then convincing yeah. Mark that it's like, yeah, you're going to look a little douchey, but that's kind of the point. Oh, the first couple of days, he, yeah, he, he, he wasn't comfortable at all with it. But, you know, it, you know, it, it grew on him. And, uh, I mean, it's just, and obviously his character, he's just, um, he's just such an, he was, I mean, I think people are now after Sushi Girl. And after seeing what he could do, you know, with the, you know, with the the, the sequel films, but also, you know, right after Sushi Girl trailer uh, came out, there was, uh, you know, Mar a bunch of our cast started getting um, 
hired for uh, for like, like uh, um, guest starring roles on TV shows. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it, it was crazy. It was just like a rash of them. I mean, just like immediately, our 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 trailer dropped, and then all of a sudden, no, oh, Mark's on this show and Mark's on that show, and you know, I mean, it was, you know. And, and, that's, and that's so the way the industry works too. You know it, I absolutely. know it. It's, it's, <laughs> because it's, it's the back channel talking like, oh, now the trailer's dropped. So they got to show it and it was just like, oh, I got to work with so-and-so. How much fun was that? Blah, blah, blah. Now people are talking all of yeah. a sudden. It's no, like, oh, they, crap, we didn't, even, it, we didn't even think of that person. Exactly, exactly. You know, and so, I mean, we had, we had, we had talked about Mark being in it, um, but we, we all just thought, oh, that's silly. Mark's not going to do it. You know, there's no way Mark would do it. And then, and then finally, uh, Destin's assistant was just like, you know, he really, he, he also a huge Star Wars fan, uh, really pushed for it. And, uh, and it makes uh, me look and, at his Star Wars roles in a whole new light, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's just he's a truly gifted. Uh, besides being a, a gifted and talented actor, he's also just an amazing human being. I mean, he's. You know, and and uh, and one of the things that I love, and and uh, Vincent Guistani just uh, posted on Facebook, you know how much he misses the Sushi Girl family, which it, it's really kind of funny because that's um, very much what happened. I mean, you know, I mean uh, Noah Hathaway, we we did a Skype interview with him while he was in Amsterdam. Uh, we were like, we don't, you know, I mean, uh, we didn't know if he was still acting or if we were even connecting with the real Noah Hathaway at first, <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, and he's like, yeah, I'm the real thing. And so then we, we interviewed him and uh, like, I think it was like, uh, was it within 24 hours, he was on a plane and, and then we stayed, stayed with Kern and Cern for a couple of days. And then we got him a hotel and, uh, you know, and yeah, I mean, it was just when things uh, get rolling, sometimes they just start rolling. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, well, we we had lost we had lost an actor. Uh, uh, there was there was an actor that really didn't fit um, with, uh, and so when we uh, and so we were like, wow, and there were a bunch of names, but that that were kind of more readily available here in LA, and we were just like, you know, wouldn't it be really cool? And this is where Sir was just like. You know, I love Never Ending Story. Uh, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've been, you know, following this guy on Facebook that says he's the real Noah Hathaway, but he's in Amsterdam, and so he reached out, and it's just, and no regrets whatsoever. We got him a plane ticket immediately. We flew, you know. I'm just like, wow, you know. Uh, and so we were, we were and it just like, adds I mean, to the whole, like, you know, you know me and I, you nerd culture, like the whole yeah. nerd vibe. It's like. Yeah, no. Every, this doesn't have to be a nerdy movie, movie, but to bring in like actors that you love from other nerdy things yeah. in your own project, like how great does that feel? Yeah, no, I mean, and it really, it really became, and and uh, for I think for most of us, still, this is the, the the finest project any of us have ever worked on. We still communicate with each other all the time. Uh, you know, I mean, we're we're planning a, another Sushi Girl reunion. We just had a Sushi Girl screening uh, a few a few months ago, in which everyone that was in town uh, showed up uh, and and you know had some drinks and and had like you know so you know we 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 see each other's babies and go to each other's weddings and 
and stuff like that. So we're 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 a bit, you know, a bit of the extended family. So and and when someone doesn't call the other person enough, and someone, you know, you know, it's like like literally, you know, in most other films, no one cares. You know, it's like oh, that's that's normal. But you know, if you don't show enough love to to one of the sushi girl family members, what's going on? You know. Right. Right. Yeah. Not it's, like and I and I love that. I love that. And most movies are one and done. Few people can be Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill who have worked that many decades together on yeah. just even one project. So, uh, yeah. but yeah, so now next you got a documentary coming up that you're utilizing yeah, well, your Japanese yep. background that ties in with Sushi yeah. Girl. Yeah. No, exactly. So uh, I'm obviously, um, uh, as we were rewriting and making uh, uh, changes to the script, uh, one of uh, one of our friends, a guy by the name of Tommy, uh, you know, knew and had worked with Sonny Chiba, and 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 we were we we're just like, oh my God, how you know, I'm a huge fan of Sonny Chiba. Uh, I, I you know, I lived in Japan for four years. Uh, I've studied you know traditional Japanese martial arts for 20 years, uh, and uh, so I really I was just I was blown away, and uh, with the, even the opportunity, and so we got we met him. We immediately clicked. Uh, we immediately started working on, you know, uh, developing projects with Sunny uh, on the side, separate to Sushi Girl. Obviously, they had to kind of be put on hold while we were focusing on Sushi Girl. But um, that and, doesn't and I, mean you can't I, talk and sign NDAs. <laughs> right, exactly. And and then I became is is a U.S. manager. So eventually, so now now um, I just his. his 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 children are all are all actors and, and and professionals with with strong martial arts background in Japan. Um, you know, a, a lot of his um, uh, students. He you know he used to have a very prominent uh, school uh, called uh, called Jack the Japan Japan Action Club, uh, and uh, where he was a teacher and he really uh, kind of recreated um the whole oh, there we go you're back yeah I uh, he, he, he kind of recreated and uh um he updated and renovated the whole japanese stunt acting process um he was very he very much wanted a high professional uh way of doing things and was really inspired by american films american stunts and and so made these massive changes. So uh, uh, so I'm, and I think right now there's there's no better time than you know than to make uh, a documentary about not only his life, uh, his legacy. And I want to do it, yeah. But his legacy and 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 he's what I love is that most most of these uh, legacy type films are done after the. The legend has passed away, and right. I'm like, oh, let's do it now while he's well, you get to appreciate him, yeah. Where he can appreciate it, and you know, and he can be an active part in it. So, um, yeah, and that obviously that segues perfectly into, uh, you know, what we what kind of brought us to to this to this uh, meeting, which was the stunts, uh, you know, stunt awards in 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 like BAFTA and the Oscars, and and they're they're. Uh, Golden Globes, all of them. Yeah, yeah. all yeah. of them. Not and, just you know, the Oscars, and, uh, but all the awards need stunts. Yeah, 
and uh you know and obviously i don't i'm not a stunt professional so uh uh and i think you're going to be interviewing some uh, stunt professionals and experts so they would know better than me how how exactly they would want to be recognized as the stunt coordinator or is it the you know like sag recognizes uh you know a, a stunt team you know you know so they do an ensemble a stunt ensemble Right, um, right. I believe and, I believe and, Avengers. And there's and there's Avengers ways to exactly, and 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 it's all about baby steps. That's what most of them are asking for: baby steps. Just give us one yeah. off camera on the Saturday awards. Give us just one stunt category, and we could grow from there. Kind right, of like exactly. sound. But, the, but, sound only had one category. Now it has multiple categories. You know. Yeah, that's like VFX wasn't even you know mm -hmm. wasn't even thought about for a while, and so exactly when, yeah. When you think when you think back about you know I mean you know I, I mean even the, you know, silent films, stunts were, were a huge part. I mean, you know, I mean, stage coaches, physical gags, Buster Keaton, you know, Charlie Chaplin, you know, I mean, I got to work with, uh, um, uh, with Thomas, uh, who is, uh, the great grandson of Charlie Chaplin in Lucky oh, Day. Cool. That's and, awesome. uh, and, and his physical, uh, uh, acting, I mean, is, you know, I mean, you can see, you know, that he has, he also has a stunt background. And uh, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely, I love to see that. Now, I, I do, I do have a another, another thing coming up pretty soon, so I don't want to cut us too short. But right, 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 um, right, right, right. Yeah, dude. I'm on your time frame, brother. You know me. I'll talk an hour. Okay. So. <laughs> right. But uh, uh, yeah, and, and it is important whether it's TV or movies. And like you said, you're not a stunt professional, but you work with them, and you know how important it is to have a proper good stunt team around you when you are That's doing such an these important kinds of things. Yeah, it's such an important aspect of film. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, John Wick. I mean, that essentially it was, you know, it was basically uh, directed by, you know, by one of the the, the top, you know, by the, the creator of Eighty Seven Eleven, and uh, you know, I mean, and it's all about the stunts. I mean, yes, I like the acting, and yes, the great music, and but I mean, w I mean, it's a, it's the you're going in for the action. In, yeah, I mean, the same thing with the Fast and Furious franchise. I mean, there's a lot of movies, you know, even, you know, not just in the past, but right now that, you know, I mean, just wouldn't be uh, batteries going down, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then, well, well, yeah, but you're absolutely. Let's, well, let's wrap this up for you, then, since your battery's dying on your phone here real quick. Um, uh, I like to wrap up all of my interviews with uh, th these three questions. What's your favorite okay. superhero? Oh, I I kind of have two or three, but let's let's just go with Silver Surfer, for now. Yeah. Okay, that's an unusual one. I don't get to hear that a lot. Who's your favorite villain? Because your heroes are only as good as as bad as your villain is. Ah, uh, that has to be the Joker for for many many reasons. Yeah. Yeah, that's a long list of reasons for sure. <laughs> yeah. And who is your favorite? I mean, who's your real life hero? Who inspires you in life? Well, I have several, but I, I mean, I would probably say my father uh, is, is, you know, I mean, there's a lot we can talk about, you know, Sonny Chiba is one and there, there's a lot of you know, my, my, my previous uh, boss and mentor Samuel Hadida is, is another uh, hero of mine. Um, and I got to work with him for 12 years, but I would just say that, yeah, that, 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 the first person to come to mind in that way would be my father. Yeah. All right. Well, excellent. Uh, 
follow my man Neil at Super Neil, and uh, you can follow all his links in the comment section below. But look yep, forward yep. to talking to you in the future and finding out more about what everything that's coming up and definitely seeing the finished documentary. Yes. Well, thank you very much. And hey, have a great time. All right, brother. We'll see you somewhere down the road. All right. Okay. Thank you for sticking around throughout this entire podcast. I am super excited to bring on my next guest. We've been trying to hook up for a couple of weeks now. We go way back. I am proud to introduce Ray Park. How you doing, Ray? I'm good, man. How you doing, Casey? How's things? Uh, things are good. I'm excited to reformat the podcast. Uh, you and I go back about eight or nine years, just to tell yeah. the audience out there. We originally met at Chicago Wizard World, where I moderated your panel for you. And I had to, now let me finish the story before I throw it to you. I had to stall for 20 minutes, 500 people waiting to see Darth Maul at the Chicago Wizard World because, and here's why fans, and here's why I love Ray so much and I always support him and always talk nothing but positivity about him because he refused to leave his booth until he signed for every child waiting in line that had been waiting since the doors opened to that convention that Saturday morning. I think it was a Saturday. And so yeah, happy, happy to stall and look like an idiot. And trust me, I look like an idiot. People are like, who is this fat idiot up there? <laughs> and, but like, you are so good with the fans, brother. Like you are so out there and like, Let's talk about the fan art. You get set so much cool Darth Maul fan art. I've got tons on. You know what? I, you know, some people, like when I've been at shows, they say, hey, I'll take that for you if you don't want to take it back with you. And, you know, we can discreetly send it back to you if you want. I said, no, 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 I believe in karma. I take everything home with me. I'll show you something here. But I've, had, I've got everything over the last 15 years. I just got this. And it's, it's made out of um, computer, like the mother chip. Oh, mother that is sick. You see it? Can you see it in that light? It's just... Yeah, there we go. That angle. That angle. Yeah. A gentleman wow. in Ireland. I've got his business details and I meant to post something, but I keep everything. I've got stuff on my windows from fan art. Look here. Turn it around. Look. You know, all, all over my office, you know? It's just not that I love myself. No, you no. It's, it's, it, it's the fans and yeah. the, the fact that you're giving them that much respect back. A lot of celebrities don't do that. Yeah, I'm a fan too. You know, I grew up idolizing and, and you know, that's, sorry, I'm trying to sort my camera out, you know. All good, brother. All good. I'm a fan too, you know, and I, I, I grew up from a hardworking background. My parents never had a lot of money at times, but they did the best they could. So I remember those times and also... You know, it's just within my nature. It's just the way I've been brought up. You know, if I see people waiting and I'm told by, you know, organizers, you've got to go, go do this, you've got to go and do this talk, and there's 20, 30 people waiting, I don't like, I don't get everyone waiting for an hour, two hours. Sometimes with the photo ops, I'm, I'm gone for hours because you're signing and photo op, and then other people, they want to do private signings, and it's like three hours time I get back or two hours, and I feel terrible. So I'll stay to the end. I've even said, we'll go back to the hotel, we'll go to the pool. Got a bob. We'll finish this. No one's going home without anything, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't do that insurance rate. Like, I'll pay for it, you know. I want to make sure everyone, you know, gets a great experience. Because if Bruce Lee was there or Chuck Norris or any of the guys that you know I idolize, I would I would wait all day. 
And then that's one of the things I love and respect about you. And like, that was our first meeting. That was how you and I became friends. Like, yeah. uh, it's, I, I'll, yeah, never, well, I'll never drop respect for you because of that one moment. Oh, thanks, man. You held it really well for me, man. Like, everyone had happy smiles. I'm trying to sort my bloody camera out. It's bloody tripod. I'm so used to taking videos of me doing action shots. <laughs> Which, your Instagram, look, if y'all don't follow Ray Park on Instagram, go follow him on Instagram now. He's always posting like crazy workout videos, which is what I was going to get into next, man. Your workout routine is insane. Now, I know you're not a woman, so I'm going to ask, what's your age and how are you keeping that up? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> There's a lot of vitamins out there these days that can help me with that kind of thing. No, no. Um, everyone thinks I'm always, like, I, I used to use training... And only in this last six months, maybe this last year, I've kind of changed my attitude because life changes a lot when you get a little bit older and circumstances and stuff. Don't you know? I fucking know it. Yeah. And so uh, I think I'll always put training first as my one to go. If I want to avoid responsibilities, like pay my, you know, worried about a bill or this or that, I'll just hide away and train. And it's I just do that sand. a lot. Yeah, it's just my way of just forgetting about everything. But I can only train when I'm happy and at peace. And that's why I tell people that um, I never hit a punch bag angry. I never, I've never once imagined someone's face or Obi-Wan's face on a punch bag. Um, I don't believe in that. I believe in the art. And for me, it's not about hitting and smacking. It's about um, art combinations and working your cardio. And, and so I like, I'm a big fan of Rocky, you know, like, I, that used to be my alarm clock, you know, you know, Bill Conti's fanfare, you know, it's to this, it's on my ringtone. It's one of those, it's that, that, that song that always gets me, yeah, I'll go up and start shadow boxing and pretending that I'm, I'm Muhammad Ali and, you know, Stallone, you know, and Tyson, but it's just all for art. And um, I used to train like a madman. It used to be all I knew. Uh, I think it still is, but sometimes I, I know nothing. You know, I just do, you know, like I, it's only until I start teaching. It's been a while since I had like classes and I had students and I had my own clubs and I took, I took boys to like the London Youth Games. I had a team. I was part of the Great Britain Wushu team. I didn't know that. Yeah, I've got like, I'm European champion twice, Britain, Britain's champion four times or something like that. Uh, world champion, international champion. I came fourth. Here's my, here's my common, this is my Commonwealth bronze. When I was in Malaysia in 1993. Awesome. Um, you know, just things. I, I don't really, I see, I feel like a, ugh, boasting about it, you know. But no, 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 no. These are qualifications that got you to where you are. Like, exactly. I, didn't, I didn't know you used to teach. Like, uh, why are you still getting people asking you to teach? Yeah, so here's another thing as well. Um, so I had my own club. I saw under my, uh, my teacher's umbrella, like, so as far as part of UK Ching Wu, I always knew I wanted to teach and get into movies. I always, there was always this mystery about learning new techniques, like the butterfly twist they do. No one taught me that. No one knew how to, it was a new move back in the day. So anyone that did that, that I saw live do it, was amazing. So my way of learning it was, uh, because I wanted to get into movies, and I heard about Jet Li, I was a big fan of Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee. From, oh from, yeah. Since I was a kid. Oh yeah. But Jet, Jet Li changed it for me. When I saw Jet Li at 10 do his stuff, I said, like, he's 10 years old. He's better than any adult I've seen. And so I fell in love with Wushu, even though it was so hard to do, but I fell in love with it. And it's, a lot of people give up. I just was intrigued by this challenge. 
And so I made, everything was a big mystery and it was all magic and secret learnings and secret teachings. I just sort of, from gymnastics, I'm not knocking it, there is, but there's, um, from learning gymnastics later on in life and learning how, how to coach it and how to break down techniques and, and condition your body, certain parts of your body for uh, sports specific exercises or techniques. And that, that really helped my wushu training. And in a short period of time, I was excelling. By 16, I was representing Great Britain in the first World Wushu Championships, and I came seventh. And so I look at the competition, I'm like, I was crap, look at me, it was like rubbish. You know, they, they most probably felt sorry for me and gave, you know, gave me a place. But I was the only European and the only guy from not Asia to place in a Wushu competition. I loved it. I wanted to live in China, I still do. I wanted to go to Hong Kong. You know, I wanted to, you know, do, I, I wanted to just go to the Far East, but, um, and I did. I went to Malaysia when I was 15. See, this is what happens when you have coffee in a bubble fit club. <laughs> no, but I, no, but I, I, look, I get what you're saying about like watching your previous fighting techniques to how you are now. I can't even watch my interviews from eight years ago. God, I was horrible. <laughs> nah, but I know what you mean though. Like I, now I tuck my t-shirts back in my jeans so I don't want anyone to see my fat belly, you know? But back in the day, when I seen pictures of me, like uh, conventions, I'm chucking it right in, and I was, I look at pictures like just the other day, I was like, oh look at me, no grey hair, my body's so soft and no tattoos, and look, I just, looked, <laughs> I just looked at a weight and I got big, you know. Now it's like man boobs and saggy, you know, because I haven't conditioned in six months. I just had enough Hard, for training. Harder, That's harder, what I meant. Just, harder to maintain at this age. It, it is because the goals, you know, my goal is I still have something to prove to myself because I know what I'm like deep down. My wife knows exactly what I'm like and my parents and my brother and sister. And it's like sometimes, like, if I have a focus on a goal, I will train to the earth to win but for myself. And if, I, if I, I'm competitive, but I put it to the side. I don't need to prove myself because I know I can still do it. But then, and the, and, like the best, and the best competitors are always trying to compete with themselves because well, I mean, myself. Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, two of the goats, greatest of all times, always competing to be the best above everyone else, even better than they previously were. Yeah, you know, you, you win a gold medal, world championships. Yeah, great. Woo! Soon as you get it. You're not the best anymore. You were just the best for that time. At that moment, you got that mark to win. I'm not knocking anyone else, but for me, my, that's maybe my dad's is. So I sort of go, and it's harder when you win because you've got to excel even more. Because when if you're like part of the top, and like I used to look at my peers, like I, yeah, Yin Wing Ching was the best wushu guy at, for my time. And uh, in 1993, I was in Malaysia. And a lot of guys would get nervous. A lot of guys wouldn't watch other guys compete. I did. I loved watching other people because in that moment, I get ideas. And then I would use it. And so when I spoke to Ying Wen Ching, it was in Mandarin, so my friend helped me uh, translate. My friend was going, yeah, go out and go. And Ying Wen Ching went, no. And I understood what he was saying. He goes, no, no, no. Go out. Slow. Enjoy. Enjoy. And I went, right. And that okay. was you know, sound more, effects. More you know? fluid, more fluid. Oh, yeah, trust, I know about you and the sound effects. 
Sometimes the dialogue's not here, but the noises are. Okay, for those of you watching, if you have not gone through all my videos, I got to, the first time we met, he's literally talking about, while I'm moderating the panel for him, about doing the sound effects as Snake Eyes in the first G.I. Joe movie. And it's absolutely hilarious. Go through Sorry. my videos and watch it. That's I okay. remember that. Yeah, and it, was, and it was hilarious. That was one of my favorite, like, all-time moments of moderating for any celebrities over the last eight years like that cracks me up still i because I, I remember i think i talked to you i think I, you, you were the only one i really talked about because i remembered it and to get asked to come in even though snake eyes doesn't speak and he just uh, took a, a oath of silence i was still asked to go into adr for the sound effects i've never been asked to go in and do adr for any of my sound effects that is weird unless i had dialogue so it was really special for me and it was funny because you have to, it felt fake because unless you're in it, like I watch my videos now, I don't remember making noises and grunts when I competed. It was quiet, you know, silence and focus. Now it just is just part of me. It's just part of, it's, 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 that, taught, it's, it's that Bruce Lee thing. Yeah. You're taught like to, you know, breathe and, so I never really did it unless I was asked to, but now it's just part of the body just going, Wah! it's just a release of expression, you know? Yeah, and it probably puts you more in the moment. But it also sounds, I like what you said though, about never punching a bag during training in an angry way, you always do it happy. So I, I do like to talk about mental health. That sounds like that helps a lot with your mental health. What else do you do for your mental health? Uh, a lot. I mean, it's great that we're talking about it a lot more these days, you know, because when I was younger, if you, were, if you even said mental health, it was like a negative word to say, you know? Straight to and the mental like, house. Yeah, if I was going, hey, I, I just got to sort my mental health out, people think, oh, you, something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. But it's not. We're all different. We all have mental health. We all got to look after our mental health. Um, I've realized as you get older, you know, drinking a lot of alcohol doesn't help your mental health. And um, so any of you out there, you know, I no. found my, yeah, and, and we just drink. we just had that conversation about me off camera and I quit drinking a few summers ago and the best decision I've made since quitting smoking cigarettes. Wow. Yeah. You know, I begged my parents for years as a kid not to smoke. I hated it. And it's one thing I've never tried, never done, never want to. If I met a girl when I was younger and I thought oh, she's going to be my wife and she smoked. You know, so it was just the way I was as a, as a teenager. But um, I never started having a drink until I was like 30, 34 when I moved to LA. You know, so it's just, it was more of a sociable thing, you know, just to hang out. When I went to conventions. That's LA for you. Boy, I'm not blaming LA. I I'm am. Scottish. <laughs> yeah, it's in our blood anyway. Aye, Westgate. But no offense to all you Scots out there. You know, I know there's a lot of Scottish people don't drink. But I, it was something I chose to do because I was like, you know, going to Dragon Con. I don't want to make this an issue about drinking, but I'm just going to tell you a story why, why I thought, I used to sit in my room at convention, and go, oh, when you get downstairs, because, you know, it's, it's boring, it's so boring. But when you went, when I, in the beginning, when I was younger, it was, it was, you had people around me that made a big deal about things. And, so, and I like just to blend in and just, you know, have fun with everyone and just chill. So it was like a nice way of just hanging out with everyone. And then it's just, it gets tired, and, and so I said, I don't drink at shows anymore, and I go out, because I like to sort of be there, be present for everyone that's turning out, and I want to train, you know, you know, and have a good time, and enjoy myself, so, um, so yeah, I had some fun times, but yeah, it doesn't help with training. 
Right. And so, and like, that's also a part of your, your mental health, your mind, body, spirit, it all connects. And that's major teachings in pretty much any martial arts. Yeah, well, you know, when you talk, because I, I took the ADHD, I don't, my, my wife swears I might have ADHD, but I don't know, I haven't been diagnosed yet, but. Okay, like, so as story. someone with ADHD, let me tell you, she's right. Yeah? <laughs> you, you got it. I, I watch your late night workouts and some of your posts, and I'm like, that motherfucker's like me, he's got ADHD. <laughs> so, you know, it's funny, because um, I asked my mum and dad this when I was young, and they go, mum goes, no, son, you're just happy and hyper all the time, you're just happy. You know, and I was watching this uh, a documentary about SAS and special forces. And he goes, oh, most, most of us in, in the special forces, we pro probably get diagnosed with uh, ADHD or something these days, but we were just, we were just such all, you know, happy-go-lucky boys. Special forces, happy-go-lucky boys. I like trying that. to change the light in here. That's, that's, hey. that's, that's such a British thing to say that we were just happy-go-lucky boys out there as special forces. <laughs> I wanted I wanted to be in special forces, but then I got really scared. Yeah, I'm trying to sort of light out here. It fell over. Here we go. There we go. Yeah, the sun went down. I know, look, I've got a shiny head down again. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Well, welcome to the club. Oh, I'm in here sweating from my lights, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. Sorry about that. No, no, no. All good. The, so yeah, um, the, the, people, just, the people are just happy that you're on the podcast. They don't care what you're doing with your camera. Well, you know what I do for my mental health is, I, you know, being with my kids, training helps me. Um, I was under a spotlight there. Uh, but I think there's more I can do and there's more a lot of people can do, you know. And it's not, it's not to be afraid to go and, you know, get guidance and help. Not help, but guidance and maybe, maybe help, you know. Or and, uh, even just even just a good friend that doesn't judge yes. you that you can talk to. Yeah, talking talking's great, you know. Yeah, it's um it's always good just to get it off and, with, and not feel like you're being judged as well. And it, and it could be anything. It could be finances. It could be your health. It could be something you're not aware of as well that's just bothering you subliminally that you're picking up on it every day. And then you know, and then one day you'll figure it out. You know, oh yeah, that's why. You know, so. Yeah, no, exactly, and, and and part of the talking is what helps, you know, bring it out and, and realize it, and that's, you know, so what the main subject of this podcast that I've been talking about with the three previous guests before you, though, has been stunts, stunt, stunt. Act, stunt actors, stunt directors, stunt coordinators, the hey. entire stunt team, and why the hell there's no awards at the Oscars for stunts, period, like, so, I mean, Everything you've done is stunts heavy. You're a stunt actor. So let's talk about the importance of stunt safety, uh, you know, the Oscars kind of screwing over stunt people, and how important it is, you know, you guys are just as important as music in a score to a movie or television show. This, I mean, unless you're, you know, uh, a special victims unit and you're just a crime drama and never have any kind of action, you know, almost everything has action these days. So, you know, You've been doing stunts for so long. You're so great at it, and that's why you condition so hard. But like, how important is it to have a good stunt team for safety and for any production? I think it's very important. Uh, really, really important. And um, you know, I, I tell you a story, and it comes. Do you want? Can I do give you my big ADHD story? All right. So 
I wanted to be a stuntman. Stuntman, 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 actor, actor, stuntman, stuntman, actor. The full guy, you know, Lee Majors, the Bionic oh, Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, great I show. Wanted to do, I wanted to do it all. But then in the business, it's either your stunts or you're an actor. Pick one. You can't, you know, like, oh, you're a stuntman, you can, you're not an actor. You know, you like, noses were turned up. That's the impression right. I got. Yeah. But it's changed a lot because a lot of great directors, you know, and uh, recently have come from stunt martial art backgrounds. We're all guys that are passionate about movies, watching movies, action movies, want to do the things that we see our idols do, so we practice martial arts. Then we find out, oh, wait a minute, we can get into movies. I didn't know. Then you get into movies, and it's through martial arts, because it's always through your passion. So my passion is martial arts and the art side of it and showmanship, because Wushu is very showy. It's not, it's not combat martial art. You don't go and learn how to defend yourself. It's an art. You're expressing yourself. And I, I, I don't mind if someone calls me a ballet dancer or anything like that, because I love it. I like pointing my toes and stuff like that, you know, messing around. And it's, so that's helped me get to where I'm at. And um, a lot of the great ideas, the great sequences for characters come from stunts. You know, like on, on Phantom Menace, Andreas Petridis, who's assistant stunt coordinator, and Nick Gillard, the stunt coordinator. You know, Nick brought me on and... Uh, Rick McCallum and George Lucas, you know, they had faith in this 22-year-old kid. I wasn't cocky, I was just confident, but I wasn't arrogant, and I was humble about it, but it was something I couldn't believe was happening, and it was my dream. But without having that support, and just having talks with the guys who are just as creative, or more so, you get ideas and they help your character out. And so I've been on shows with stunts, you know, the guys that are they're on, they're, they're working behind the camera, but are just as good as better, and what you can do and give me little tips and as to it's always good to see something from the outside if you if i was a fighter and i was i was looking at myself outside the octagon you could see where you could go right and where you're going wrong but right. when you're in it you can't see it it's easy for someone to sit and go oh you should have done that you should have done this because you can see it so it's always good to have monday morning quarterbacks yeah, yeah it's always good to have a, a, a sideline the guy on the side watching your back Cause you'll be doing something you might think it looks good but it looks rubbish for camera and so it's always so stunts is very important a lot of the great action sequences tremendous action sequences a lot of money's been spent on making it come from stunts the action side and i think arnold is a big supporter of, of the stunts in the oscars as well yeah well heck yeah he is i mean that's how he got his start too uh, let, let's talk about episode one though like what was that like working on that like you said it was your dream like holy crap you're 22 and you're about to be in the long-awaited star wars movie like you kids these days have no idea how long we had to wait between episode four <coughs> and episode five and episode six we didn't think there was going to be anything after the original three so we when they allowed phantom menace episode one like in the 90s, like, as a 20-year-old myself, like, I was dying. And, like, before you go into your little story on what it was like working on that, I don't mind telling you, when I went and saw that in the theater with my friends, I was on two hits of acid. And oh, really? The movie, it was the best movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Let me I bet it was taking acid. I've never done that. And yeah, let me tell you what. It's not been the same since. <laughs> I do say that that kind of stuff messes your brain up. Yeah, they, they do say that, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I mean I'm going to admit. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Give the fans an episode one story. What was it like on set? <laughs> well, you know, you were saying, oh, it's 20 years for this and that, da, 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 da. 
Well, I was on Mortal Kombat just before that, and Mortal Kombat was a big, wow, you know, I can't believe I'm on this, Robin Shoe, and I was part of Robin Shoe's stunt team, and, and it, if it wasn't for Mortal Kombat, I don't think George would have see, seen me. If I wasn't on that movie, I may have not been Darth Maul. I don't know. So it was my dream. I wanted to, you know, coach and have the best schools ever, but also be in movies as well. And so I was lucky to be on Mortal Kombat and, get, and I learned new experiences that helped when I was on Phantom Menace, like air rams and things. 22, man, I was like, woo, this is great. Hey, woo, I'm flying, you know? And I, I was doing that in the gym anyway. But you still got to so, learn what it's set life. Being on yes, set is different. Big, it is different. So you could be really good at martial arts and you could be really good at gymnastics, but it's different when you got that, is, that skill and ability, that the skill that you've trained comes into play to keep, keep you spatial aware and use your body. But when you've got a harness on and wires, you've got to work with a team. You've got to be, you know, you've got time, it all changes, you know? But if you're quick on your toes, you, you'll pick it up quick. The Phantom Menace was just, I still every day would think, I can't believe this happened to me. I'm, I'm going along with it. This is good. I can't wait to, like, I think I had two months, three months of rehearsal before I was on set. I think it was June 22nd, first shot of the movie. And it was Ian, McCann, Ian McDermott and myself. And it's where Darth Maul goes, Tatooine sparsely populated. The trace was great. Fly him quickly, my master. But my way of saying it was, if the trace was great, we'll fly him quickly, my master. Ah! Yeah, because I was young. You know, <laughs> I was trying to have a joke there, my cocky voice and, you know, cockney. So um, that was the first uh, shot of the movie. And I, re I remember being excited and nervous. And I said to Ian, so is George going to come up and tell me if I've done it wrong? Because I always thought I did something wrong. And he, and he goes, and George was just happy. And he goes, and Ian said to me, one thing I know about George, if he's happy, he'll just let you keep on doing it. And so that gave me confidence. Because, you know, my, that was my first acting job. I never went to acting school or anything. I just, what my experience was from watching movies and stories and documentaries and, and watching how people were on Mortal Kombat. Only two movies. So the, the physical side I was really confident about and I was confident about the acting side. And before I got the job, when I went for my first meeting with Nick Gillard, which lasted about two hours, I went into Robin Gulan's uh, office for just a for, you know, screen test. So I thought, this is a great meet and greet. This is pretty good. I'm meeting the producer, the director, and the sound department, and the art department. Well, yeah, for those out there who don't know the industry, a screen test is fast-forwarding it. Yeah, so I was like, oh, not screen test, an audition. It's not a screen test. Go in and oh, do it. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sorry, okay. my, my, my mistake. Sorry. Um, sorry, beg your pardon. I got so, way excited <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was, yeah, screen tests can last and last and last. You can have many screen tests before you get the job. You know, this is a big thing. But I knew it wasn't, it was, this, remember, this is my second movie. I've done little commercials, bits here and there. But so this was like sitting for hours just talking to Nick. And so I never, I never got my hopes up. Something I've always learned since I was a kid, my parents and competing. I never, unless, my dad always said to me, unless you are in the ring and you knock the guy the guy out, that's the only time you really know you won. Because when it comes to competing, I know that's very harsh, because my dad wanted me to be a fighter and a boxer and all of that. Yeah, but it's a and point it's, system. Yeah. And back then, it was all... Dig -a -dig -a -dig -a -tap. And I mean, you just had these guys jumping around me and combing my hair. And I'm like, what are you doing? I never understood <laughs> the point system because they looked like they touched you, but they never touched me because my, 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 co my teacher was from a traditional background. It's what one hit, and that's a proper hit. You know, I didn't join martial arts to, get, to learn to fight or, or to fight. 
I got into it because I wanted to be like Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee. I wanted to have that, that, that fantasy kind of, I loved the whole spiritualism about it and the whole, everything about the martial arts. I knew more about Buddhists and stuff when I was younger than anything else, you know, just growing up with it. And so I was really captivated by it as a kid. But I didn't walk in to go, right, teach me how to fight. I need to, you know. You know what? Just... Quick story and segue. That's the exact same thing that uh, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, Shang Tsung, on the movie, your, yeah. your first movie, he told me the exact same thing, that the reason he got into martial arts was to learn the art of healing. And when his master told him he had to master the art of killing before he could learn the healing, he quit martial arts. So it amazes me that you both got into it for kind of the same kind of reasons yeah and my, my i said two well i had a wushu coach who also comes from a traditional five ancestors style which is very old death points and stuff yeah and uh and sometimes and i wish i'd learned paid attention more when at the end of the wushu, the team wushu sessions we used to have all saturday or all sunday all day and at the end we do some traditional but it wasn't flashy enough for me. I wasn't jumping around in the air and doing flips. It was standing in the ground and it was proper martial arts. And I remember one day he goes, Raymond, I think he wanted to show me because I was like, woo, 16. Yeah, come on, let's jump, 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 jump. I want to jump. And, um, <laughs> that's that ADHD, fun. brother. Yeah. And that's, I tell you, that's without energy drinks, you know? And so I haven't had an energy drink today, maybe a coffee, but that's about it, you know? So he, I punched. I went and he said, just punch at me. And he just went tap, tap. He just went tap, tap. And he looked down at my arm and my elbow here, my forearm swelled. It was a button. And I pooed my pants on. I've never seen it right in here. And he hit a pressure point. And he, he taught me a few pressure points where you can just touch someone and, and make them drop. You don't hurt them. So my wife and I used to play around. Because I, I used to, when we first started dating, I used to make it out like it. You know, and I was like, oh my God, you know. But it's just little tricks I was teaching how to use the manipulate the body parts, you know, a little nerve. But my coach, my teacher was really, he knew all those pressure points. And I knew then I didn't want to learn them. I didn't, <laughs> when he showed me that, I didn't want to learn something that I wasn't, I just learned in a day or two over sessions. And then it can be abused by accident because you just play around. So I didn't want to learn any of that stuff. And I never do. Cause I, there's no that makes sense. Me, yeah. There's no reason for me to learn it, you know. So, um, but I respect it, and I've seen it happen, you know. And uh, personally, yeah, to yourself. Yeah, I'm. I'm more for like I think it's it's so easy to punch and kick, and believe me, the martial arts stuff you learn doesn't really work in a real fight. Not for me, it doesn't. So the best thing to do is not get into a fight. Run as fast as you can, scream, or call nine one one. I've talked my way out of more fights than I've been in. That's for sure. Yeah. I'm telling you, talking is a great, it's great, you know, I say tall gift. You know, I wasn't a good talker because it was like, you, some says your mum, your tramp, or this, your sister. You get all your adrenaline goes. So the best thing for me to do is just walk away. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's good advice because, you know, you got to, once again, let's go back to mental health. You got to protect yourself, not just physically, but mentally. And sometimes, even even just a petty argument is doing you yeah. harm. My wife always says, you always feel terrible, Ray, afterwards. You always feel sorry for the other guy. And I do. Like, that's why I never, that, I never liked going and doing the fighting competitions. Um, they were, you know, because um, I was taught, a certain, for a young kid, you kind of got a different kind of sense of power. I remember my dad, I won't tell you a story because it sounds like I'm boasting. 
But my dad was a tough guy. He was very tough, yeah, because he had to be tough. Well, we grew, up in, that, tough. We grew up in that age where a dad's job, or at least they thought, was to toughen up the man, the boy, and make a man out of you. So yeah, it, it's a different generation that's being raised now. They didn't get their ass kicked on a regular basis like we did. Oh, yeah. And so my, I raised my son differently. Um, and there is essence of my dad because there's greatness there. But um, my thing was, but my go, what, but people said, what, you teach, you teach your kids martial arts? I said, no. Because it's for me. It's my hobby. And I, I don't want them feeling that they have to do it because I do. Because all of my teachers, all of the masters I've met, their kids hate it because they were told to do it. So when you meet their, your master's son, yeah, he's going to be awesome. He's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not into martial arts. What? You, what? Uh -huh. You know? And that taught me a lesson. It's for me, me only, unless they want to learn. I see it, my friends, the kids are wicked. And they, they must have done it right. You know, chair, and the kids wanted to do it. And they've yeah. got, I think it's different when you have a school and their dad's at school at teaching every day at the kids. They want to join in as well. And so I don't have to, I do things from, at home. And it, my kids will come out. And then we'll join. I've got, I've got videos of me teaching my son's first back handspring and my daughter handspring. But I was in that zone where it was all about me at the time. Like, i got to get on this movie. Yeah. G.I. Joe, I've got to train. I had a knee injury. It's me, me, me. I'm in pain. I've got to train. And I regret those times because the kids, my kids, was, the kids was, it wasn't about, they were too young to know that daddy's flipping around being cool. That's what people think. But I was scared of getting older. I'll never be able to show them the stuff that I used to do when I was younger. But I always said, I'm still going to do a butterfly twist when I'm 80 years old, even with a hip implant, I'm still <laughs> down. And so it's the mind. And if you train yourself, don't abuse yourself, but you, you love what you do. Like people think I'm, 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 I've got this energy and I'm jumping around at four hours at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I've done that before in my house. But what I'm showing you is what I did earlier, but it's only I'm posting at midnight. But I, on solo, I was training all night. The producer said, Ray, you've got you to get bed. You know, because I was trained out there all night because I couldn't do cardio because of my hip. I couldn't run. So I had to do, I had to burn out doing muscle stuff, you know. So now since my hip replacement, I'm loving my body. So even though it's not like back in the day, I would never post me just doing a half, half sort of kick, jumping up. For me right now, it's a big deal. For four or five years, I was depressed, in pain. That's why I started doing this. And it's depressing and it affects lifestyle. It affects your family. You know, when, it, when your kids stop inviting you to Disney, then you know it's a problem because oh. little daddy's in pain, you know? And yeah. it, you're sitting there crying. Yeah. So, but I didn't want to get the surgery because I was scared. And so I did, I, I postponed it for two years. And then, wow. and it was really scary. And I keep hearing these stories like, you'll feel better for it when you're done. But once you've had it done and a big bit of bone taken away, chopped, opened up, sawed into, drilled into, hammered in, right? You're like, there's no going it, back on that. It's, it's intense surgery. Yeah, it, the, the, my surgeon's awesome. You know the thing I said to him? I said, did I say anything weird? Because I was, I was signed for solo. Right, when I you just come finished, out? Yeah, and it was just, yeah, when you come out, you start going, because the first surgery, I was coming out saying, I'm Darth Maul, yeah, you know? It's a secret, you know? And I go, what? I said that? I never say that kind of thing. Hilarious. And I don't remember it. So I was embarrassed. You know, I was young. So my first knee little meniscus tear, because I did it under gymnastics insurance. I was still young. I was like 20. It happened just because I was wearing Timberland boots and I was stretching and it popped out. And so because of the heavy, you know? Yeah. And so I was embarrassed about that. 
And because I had another secret solo, I just filmed this filming solo, I didn't want to start crying, ah, solo, you know? Dude, I crapped my pants when I saw, how excited were you to get the call for solo? Well, it, well, I trained my backside off because um, I remember saying to my kids, yes, because I was always hoping for it to come back. I was signed for three movies for G.I. Joe, but I always knew something big was going to happen again. I had a feeling something was going to happen. And I said to them, I said, you, you'll, need, you'll see a change in me. You know, daddy's training that. But when you see it, you'll, you'll, I wanted them to see the zone, like competition the person. Focus. focus, but still happy, but not, but just serious. And I did. I, as soon as I got that call from Lynn Hale, we were in Guatemala for a, a convention. And we got there earlier because I wanted to do shows over the summer that I could take my kids to and go to fantastic places and sightsee. Because I'm so lucky to be able to travel and see these wonderful places, even within the US. And sometimes at the weekend, you're just at the convention hall. But every celebration, I've never seen it. I'm always at the table, which is great because that's why I'm there. But I wanted to get there early and, and show my because I started traveling very young. And it really changed me as a person. And so I wanted my kids to see that. And not, not to be spoiled, but I'm happiest when I have my family with me. I hate being in a hotel room by myself. Doesn't yeah, mean I, I want to come, I just want my kids in the room with me. Family, yeah. that's the best time. And so I had a call, but I had this like a non-contract phone. It was used as my work phone. And then I had my personal phone. And Lynn was contacting me and I thought, oh no, maybe they've heard I'm in Guatemala, maybe something's gone on. I always thought, thought I, I did something wrong. And I thought, oh no, what about it? It's a show not? Uh, so I was, my wife said, you better call it back, it might be important. I said, no, I'll wait, I'll wait. We're going to dinner, we've got dinner plans, professional, they're waiting for us in the lobby. You know, we're, I'm, I'm a guest, I have to go downstairs. Because you better call, it might be important. I love So I emailed Lynn and said, look, we're just going for dinner, I'm really sorry. Um, my phone doesn't work here, but here's my personal number. Um, do you mind? And, you know, I wasn't thinking it was going to be the best news ever. And then she goes, yeah, sure, sure, call me when you get back. So I called her. And then when I found out, I was like, what? She goes, she said, great. Um, so, and I can hear her voice. It's like, please, 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 please. You know, that, that happy so pause, I got good news to tell you. Yeah, so I went like this. She goes, Ray, you can't tell anyone, anyone. I went, I went, I told my wife is looking at me. And I'm like, can I tell my wife, though? Can I tell my wife? She went, no. So I looked at Lisa. She goes, so? So? When I, when, I hung, when I said goodbye to Lynn. I said, uh, remember that time when, you know, uh, you, know when, you know, when we first started dating? And, and she's like, because I didn't want to speak it out loud. The, the Star Wars gods would hear me say, I'm coming back. It's more. And right. jinx myself. Alexis so listening talk. into your conversation. Alexis going to call George Lucas. You never know. The kids, you know, I'm a Sith, you know? So just think, I didn't want to jinx anything by even whispering, you know, you know, hey, I'm going to come back. I, I just you. You my did head. the right thing. You did the right thing. Yeah, because you, if you said something like this out of joy, I almost told Daniel Logan once. We were training together and we were doing our videos because I had a big secret already. I've got a really bad hip and I need it replaced. So I'm going to train my backside off. And, and then one day I said, you know all that stuff I was doing? I was in pain. Because even Daniel saw it, I collapsed. But we were doing crazy stuff and I was adapting. That's where the video started off. And then I got solo. So it was even more so. And Sam, uh, Whitworth, he, you know, voices more. He goes, you're funny, Ray, because you're hiding in plain sight. No one knows. But you're doing all this lightsaber stuff. And no one's thinking, no one knows. I said, no, it's funny. And I wasn't playing with the fans. It was just, I was doing it anyway. 
And then I couldn't tell my kids, my parents. I wanted to tell, I wanted to tell Daniel we were training. I was feeling really good. My endorphins were up. The sun was out. Feeling good. And I went to the bathroom. I came back out of the house. I walked out. And I went, hey, Daniel, can you keep a secret? And it's because of his respond, the way he responded to me, I changed my mind. His face got serious and he looked worried. Oh. And he went, yeah. I don't, want, then, I don't want to keep this secret. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it, it bothered me because he was like, he wasn't like, yeah, well, what's up, Ray? You know? He was like, yeah. Well, he gets NDAs in the industry, so he knows, yeah. Yeah, so I, could, so I couldn't even tell my best friend, you know? Because I wanted to share good news. I wanted to share it with him, Boba Fett. Because I wanted to say, mate, it's possible to train really hard, train really hard, show up everyone we're doing it, and you'll come back as Boba Fett. And that's why I wanted to tell him. Which would have been awesome. Yeah, I, I wanted to tell him, because so I remember years ago, I, I was, had these ideas, and I said, I'll, try, I'll help you train, I want to help you, I want, don't tell anyone I'm training you, I don't want anything, I just want you to be great. And um, so I didn't tell him, I just made up some, some funny thing. And I'm glad I didn't tell him because if you just jinxed yourself and it didn't happen for years, you would think, is it because I said that one time to someone I'm going to do it? You know, just- okay, so I don't know if you remember this. So let's go back to how this we started this podcast with how we met because you do get extremely excited. Now, yeah, if, I'm talking a lot. You see that? Yeah. If any of you are going back through the old videos now on my YouTube channel here, Go find the Ray Park panel that I'm talking about which at Chicago Wizard World, and you will see there's a cut in there of all of a sudden a missing section. Do you remember why, Ray? The cut in there. And, and I, filmed, I, I filmed the panel I moderated for you, but I had to cut a section out of it. Oh, c- your request. Do you remember why? Oh, I had a secret, didn't I? Yes, because, okay, so in the middle of the panel, you were so excited about the announcement of G.I. Joe 2. That's right, yeah, yeah. That you literally pulled out your phone in front of all those people and showed me the new suit. That's right, I remember, yeah, yes. And then you had to hunt me down on the con floor and beg me to cut that part out of the panel, which obviously I did, no problem. But it it was just, you're just, you loved your job. You love the entertainment, and you're just so excited you couldn't help yourself. You know what? Because I really liked straight away. I liked you right away. You know, I was late, and just the way you greeted me on stage, your eyes, your personality, um, just you were just nice. I felt like there was a connection there, and we just we joked. The banter was really nice, and even and, and, and so and and you're very smart, and so you kind of like picked me up, and we kind of went to and fro. So I got I got really excited, and I wanted to share something. I forgot myself for a moment, you know, and you I, was, I, I was honored. I was honored. I knew what happened in the moment, and it was just like, and, and as soon as you told me, it was just like, oh, yeah, NDAs, yeah, crap, yeah. I don't want you losing that job. Yeah, and it could, it's seriously, you know, like the NDAs as well. And uh, I've got pictures of me when I went first to do makeup tests for Solo and everything. When to, I went to, can I go to the bathroom, please? You know, I'm sitting in with a head cast on, and I've been there all day. I was happy to do it. I've always said, if they ever ask me back for Star Wars, I'll do it for free, as long as my mortgage is paid in food and water. And, you know, it's a joke, you know? And the thing is, I would do it for free. Joke, people, have... that's a joke. He's still for hire for other movies and TV, but pay him, anyway. Yeah, so I still have a family to p- provide. I'm not that good looking, so I can't model and get an easy job. I've got to use skills and hard work. Calluses on his hands. 
Right. And convention money only goes so far. You're an actor. Your job is to be out there being in movies and TV and acting. People don't understand that, like, this con life and the conventions they go to to get your autograph and meet you and talk to you and get the private photos, like, that's secondary. That's supposed to be secondary income for most actors and people. Well, and that's the other thing they don't understand is, like, that you're talking about. You're spending all weekend at the convention in all these different parts of the world and different cities that you rarely get to explore. I went to New York three times. It wasn't until my third trip that I finally went and saw the one of the biggest parks in the country, Central Park. Like, yeah. holy crap, that's amazing. Why did I wait three times? Because I was in a convention the entire time. Flew yeah. in, flew out. And yeah. so I, I decided I had to make that kind of personal time. You know, a lot of people who live in London haven't seen the sites who live in London. You know, and it's, it's, it's amazing, like, to, I think it's the same all over the world. But I, coming from Glasgow, Scotland, at eight years old, London was a very different place to me as a kid. And on my, one of my posts last night, I started going into a long waffling story about skates and this. But it, it, I started to remember things of, you know, even skating last night. I was like, oh, I remember when we were younger. But I'm actually, it's just weird how Wushu, Wushu really helped me throughout everything. Wushu, I can, you put your mind to it, you can do anything. You go, oh, that doesn't feel right. And it, it, it is. If you know your body, you know how it works, you can tune up a little bit and learn new skills. Um, but conventions is great. I choose to do it. I want to do it. I want to be there for fans. It's the, if you don't look after yourself and, and you don't keep focused, be asleep. And if it's a three-hour difference, like, so if I'm, I'm not working, sometimes I go to bed at two in the morning, three in the morning. I have no, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm on my own. And so I can be, I'm creative early hours in the morning. That's when my mind's at peace. That's when I want to train. You know, it's hot. It was hot as hell today. Oh, most, when I first came out here, actually, I went into an action book. When I first came out to LA, I'd want to be in a sun train. Now, I've got to go now. I've got to get tired. I've got to burn. Now I'm like, no, forget that. I want to train at nighttime. Because then I can get my lightsaber out and do things. Right, and right, right. And it's peaceful. And it's better at night. But it's late. And so, just because I don't go to bed at 10 o'clock, doesn't mean I'm up doing something no good. I'm training and doing other stuff. And, you know, I might not get up at six in the morning. Sometimes I do. But you know, at, the, I, at the same time, that allows you more family time that you love. And exactly. And so that way you get a train at night once the kids have gone to bed. Yeah, exactly. I've been able to see my kids grow up because it's been good traveling the world, doing conventions and going away at weekends. Not being on a movie set on location, but I'm still providing. And then I can see my kids grow up. That means more. I did never want to, We never wanted a nanny. We never wanted someone else looking after our kids. We wanted kids, we're gonna look after our kids. And so I know we, I kind of touched on, we touched about the dads and stuff, like my dad was tough and that. But um, my son, I just, when I had competitions, I don't go, you better go out there and win. Win, remember, you're the best. I don't do that. I just go, mate, you know what you do? Go out, enjoy it, have fun, smile, and just enjoy it. So I had a little talk with him a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, I always say that to you, but you know, I always want, you know, I'm proud of you, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm happy when you win, but I'm happy if you don't, you know, because you're still awesome to me. You're doing amazing things. You're going out there doing big boy stuff, young man, more than I was doing. I'm just happy watching you. Never, never think I don't want you to win. I want you to win because you, if you want to win, then I want you to win. You know, it's just, that's how I am, you know, but I'm still very supportive. It's positive like, reinforcement. Yeah, like. My wife would be like, he's got it. He'll be like, I'm tired. Because he has a, you know, he's the same. And so he's tired. And uh, he's been at school all day. Oh, I don't want to go to the gym. And I'm like, that's all right, mate. You stay home. We'll hang out. We'll watch TV, play on the computer. 
My wife said, no, he's got to go. He's got to go. She doesn't talk like that. But she's like, got to go. And I'm like, hey, come on. Look at him. He's been working all week. You know, let's chill out. You would think I'd be saying, he's got to go. He's got to be, he's got a name to live up to. You know? But it's the other I'm way like, around. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, let him chill, man. Let him be a kid. That, yeah. And being a kid is important. And that's it. Because, like, that's the same thing. Like, what you're talking about is the kids picking their own passions, letting them find their own ways and their own lanes. Like, I completely relate to that. My dad was the star athlete of every, everything he ever. Wow. Had to do. He was idolized by all of our relatives. So the fact that his only son is average at best at every sport I've ever attempted is basically a miserable failure. And the fact that they couldn't understand that all I, my passion was music and that all I ever wanted to do to music, they didn't understand that. Of course, I gave that up and now I'm doing podcasts. <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's the music's passion still in you, though. You know? Yeah, well, entertainment. I love to entertain. Yeah. I, I want I want to change. And that's one of the things I loved about working in the restaurant industry for 20 years, man. Like a, a, a good meal can change someone's perspective on their entire day, week, month, or year. And to yeah. have that effect on people, entertainment and music has always done the same thing for me on my darkest times. So it, for me, it's like I want to give back. I want to give back to the same society of, of entertainers that have helped me throughout my entire lifetime. Cause there's nothing yeah. like, there's nothing like a good song to cheer you up or like a sad song when you're extra sad, just to be in the, in the moment, you know? Yeah. I, I totally relate to that. Um, kind of set me up, you kind of hypnotized me to tell you personal stuff, but music, I don't, sometimes I listen to music when I'm happy. Like there's, there's music, there's certain music I'll mix. Cause that's part of a life. That's part of a nostalgic, time i didn't even know you were at your post the other night that was the first time i've ever seen you djing and spinning and i didn't know you did that yeah well i did i'm starting to teach myself how to scratch you know uh one thing i know is not to drink beer and mix because i used to think all djs were drinking and doing stuff and now you've got to be focused like a shaolin monk and listen with clear ears and so because it distorts when you're 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 inebriated in any way you know like so that's like because, having, and most people don't understand that music is math. It's all technique and math. And you know what? It's, you know more about, I, I feel it. I feel the music. You know, I, I, like I, my dad, my dad played the accordion and him and his brother, all magic fingers. Tried to teach me. I was good with one side, but I couldn't do the little button things on the other side. But I, he, my dad taught me how to listen by ear so on a keyboard and stuff. But I never, I don't think I was smart enough or put the time in to study it. But it's part of me now, even with Wushu. When I do things with Wushu, there's a certain, I can maybe pretty much put any song to whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm listening to, influences my moves. Absolutely. And that's why I might come up with some random dance. I've never, some of the stuff I do, I've never danced like that before. And I, just, I don't go to the nightclub and do things like that. You don't do that when you go boogie, boogie, woogie with your wife. Uh, okay, first of all, because of your post last night, I want to go to a club on skates with a lightsaber now. I want to do that now. I've never been to, you know, that was the first time ever. I was going to post this other video, right? So I killed myself last, because I haven't been training much in the last six months. Everyone thinks I'm training really hard. When I do train, I do it. I've been doing different kind of uh, creative things that it will help my training. Different things, you know, you know, mixing and doing other things, you know, on the drums, on my bongos, you know. But last night I did it purely, a lot of some of my videos, someone like will like something or or I'll get, ooh, this good, ooh, ooh, and I'm on Instagram for two hours. I'm like, what am I doing? My thumbs are so sore, my eyes are hurting. 
I've got to respond. But it's, it kind of like motivates me to do something else. And all this silly stuff, if I can make you laugh your ass off at me, then that's great. Because I feel like I've changed as a, a dad. And now I don't care what people think. I wear one shoe, one color, one shoe, the other color. I don't care if you think I'm bonkers. It's just how I feel. So last night, I had the whole house myself. I stacked it twice, but it wasn't a big stack. And I realized my wheels were on fast because I was racing my buddy because he's a hockey player. So I ah. put them on super fast. So I'm on the wooden floors and I'm like this everywhere. So I tightened them. I put my stump pads on because my hip replacement. I don't, you know, got to be careful. This is my, this is my tools. But I was confident I could do it. But last night I watched it and I was getting buzzed, but I watched it today and I'm like, I'm going to do better. So when we were communicating earlier, all I could think about was, well, I'm going to go out the back, take the mats off. I'm going to practice this training. I'm going to get a weight vest on, get on the skates. I'm going to move and I'm going to do that training. And later on, I'm going to do a video and I'm going to do a butterfly in the skates. I'm going to blow everyone's minds, you know? And so I saw myself dancing last night in the skates. I want to go to roller. I want to go to roller disco. I want to do that. I, we should do that at a convention. I'd love to do. It. I've never done that. Yeah, that would be so much fun. Like all of my girlfriends in junior high, I picked up at a roller skating ring. Oh really? Oh, all of them. That's why I should have been going in my teenage years. But I was training being a Shaolin monk. Yeah, I was just I was being a kid. <laughs> yeah, but you, but you know, watching that video, watching that video actually reminded me of one of my most broke ass summers ever when my car. Is that the first down. video you watched of mine then? No, no, no. Come on. Oh. I'm always creeping on your Instagram. No, no, you've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's the first time because people are like. I've never, I've never seen you did that. I didn't even know you skated. So. No, see, that's, that's where I've realized that growing up in London, we did everything. We didn't have we didn't have a TV. You know, it was three channels. Boring staying at home. Sorry to interrupt you. No, so no, my no. Brother and I come Tell the kids. They didn't grow up without remotes yeah. like we did. My brother and I watched Jackie Chan movies. So my brother's like three or four years younger. He's, he's a better martial arts artist than I am. And he's tough as nails, and he. We used to we used to play dodge with the cars. We used to live on this like really busy road, so we'd wait to the last minute and run and run. And then we. I I can't believe I'm not dead. I used to do that. Yeah, I watched my brother get hit by a car, and he rolled over, got back, and we were running after the bus. But we purposely let it go late because one of the buses would jump on the back, and you can get up. So we'd let it go. And then we'd chase after it because everyone would be staring at you and we'd be those guys getting on the bus. We used to do that because of Jackie Chan. That was our childhood. We used to jump out, we used to pick trees in the park and go, all right, we're going to jump from that tree, bounce on that branch there, flip off, land on that branch, and then hang on this one. We did that in our lunch hour at school at okay. 13, 14. You know what? Because I'm, I'm, I was raised a redneck in Idaho. That's what we used to do during the winter. We would chase cars, grab onto the bumpers, and then ski behind them. What? Yeah. What a lot to have done that. Oh my God! Dangerous and stupid, but a lot. My, my son would like that. I did. You know when I was landing snake, so I was wicked, man. Like I never, you know. I remember coming out to LA and I had my headshots in the back. I was staying with John, John and Cancer. You've seen them at shows. He was putting us up, helping us out. So I traveled two hours up to LA to do meetings, auditions. My daughter was just born, eight months old, nine months old. And I hear this like, ah, scream from her, from my little baby. I was like, where the hell's wrong? Went into the back of the Explorer, that was born of John, and she's holding a picture of Darth Maul. And it's a full on face of me going, ah. And she just couldn't put it down. She's holding it. So I swore no Darth Maul images anywhere. It really broke my heart because she's my little girl. 
So I didn't, I didn't go, you know, that is Darth Maul. I don't do that. You know, you don't say, your daddy's a bad guy. And so it's only when she come back from kindergarten that her friends go, daddy, Michael said he's like, you're a bad guy. You play the bad guy, you're Darth Maul. So it was really hard to sort of, ex you know, it was just, I think he only wants to be my friend. because So she got smart very, very young. Right. But when I landed Snake Eyes, of course, I'm jumping around. It was my Batman. I was jumping around the house. Like, oh, Snake so I can reinforce that positive Batman. The first words my son sent us, my son said, was Batman. You know? Because yeah, everybody I, loves Batman, yeah. Yeah, man. It was my childhood. So it was, I don't know where I was going with that. But, yes, but no, well, but, you're, but that reminds me, that uh, another point. Like, that's the way society and the culture has changed, where... I grew up, couldn't wait to dress like Luke Skywalker. Now all my nephews can't wait to be Darth Vader. Yeah, no, even, even my nephew wants to be Darth Vader. I was going with that because my son would have loved to do the skating behind the cars, like you. So when, I, when we had a big SUV and I was on, on Hummer of G.I. Joe, because I did it, my wife would pull out a driveway. I would run after and go on the sideboards and grab on and let them drive up. And to see their faces at three, four years old was the best. You know? Right, right. Nothing better than the smile and the laughter of a child. Yeah, it's, it's the best. So I was, I'm giving that sort of ADHD story. <laughs> well, we've gotten a lot of great stories. Uh, but yeah, uh, look, and, and, and let me just promote your Instagram again, because that's, you, 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 you post so much stuff on there. You're being yourself. You're being, you're being real. And I think there is a disconnect in society, especially yeah. a lot with the newer, younger generations that they don't understand that celebrities and actors and musicians they're people too yeah with extraordinary jobs but people too yeah back in the day my agents that i had at the time they didn't like me doing conventions or they felt that you've got to be untouchable right you gotta be a mystery when i found out that you can be in martial art movies it completely changed my my focus like i can be in a jackie chan, I can be in a jackie chan movie i mean i can audition when I saw Richard Norton in one of Jackie Chan's movies and Cynthia Rothrock, I thought they were all magic. People weren't real, you know? And then when Jackie would show his stunts that maybe he'd mishapped afterwards, he's got a plate in his head. Those are the like, best. They, that, that's what you wait to see then. He's going to show us how he did that. Because you were like, how did he do that? So for me as a kid, when my brother and I were running after, we knew it was real. You know? So it really, when Jackie says, I am the special effects, that's when I, that's really hit home with me. I want to be able to do everything. We were talking earlier about stunts and acting. I wanted to be the full package, even stand in for myself. I made a joke to my friend the other day, because I used to fight, or not fight, but like on X-Men, I remember Corey Yen saying to me, uh, great guy, a big fan of his, walk on set, and as we're told, bounces up the walls. And he goes, he was explaining it, and I saw, kind of clicked, and I go, wait a minute, am I doing this? I hope I'm doing this. So I said, I'm doing this, yeah? And he goes, no, oh, no, 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 this is what your stunt double's gonna do. What? I wanna do it. And he goes, really? You wanna do it? And I said, yes, that's why I'm on this movie. Not because I'm acting, you know, I'm like, come on. You know, I joke, you know? It's not like Toad has a ton of lines, yeah. Yeah, and, and so a few of my, since Star Wars, it's been one of those, I wanna do it all. If George can make me in four places at once, because he made, he, I did one shot on this set, went to that set, did another shot, came back, did another shot. I didn't mind bouncing around sets and doing it. But it doesn't always work in modern movie making, you know. You can't be in, and you can't be in two places at once, and it's really sad for me because I want to do everything. I even on GI Joe, I wanted to be under the car, you know. I was like, I'll do that. On X Men, they wouldn't let me blow out the window. I'll do that. 
You want to have your Indiana Jones moment where you're being dragged under and you got to climb up and kick some Nazi yeah. ass. I want to do it all because you learn. I was confident enough to do it. And it's part, it makes the cats part of me. I've done worse. I've been through worse. But I get it for insurance purposes. But I joked with my buddy the other night and I said, you know what? If I have to fight for me jumping out of a car at 50 miles an hour and doing a forward row on the concrete and then running after Storm Shadow or a bad guy or a good guy, he can do it. I'll, I'll just do the acting stuff. He can do that. He can, he can do the stunt. Let Wis him have it. Wisdom comes with age. Yeah, I'm like, oh, God. I'll just do that. That's a joke. <laughs> of course, I still want to do it, you know? Right, right, right. But at our age, we do have to be more cautious, yeah. <laughs> but Things oh. hurt a little bit differently. You get heavier as you get older. Even though you're not heavier, but you're heavier. So you got any conventions coming up that you should be promoting in the near future? Yes, so I didn't, I took a break from conventions for a while, you know, because I was taking a break from myself as well, just so you get a story. I just was like, to reset the button, mental health, you know, we were talking about earlier. Yeah, no, <laughs> hey, a convention weekend takes a lot out of you mentally. People have no idea. Yeah, and it's not just, it's not just conventions, it's a, a, a perspective of myself. I was finding that I was on Instagram a lot, posting videos, and I was posting video. I was training just for Instagram. I was finding that, it was becoming addictive. And so if I'm off Instagram for three days, there's something wrong with me. You okay, ready? No, nah, it's just that I need to take a break from me because what was happening was we would have a joke and, and so would train and it would turn out an Instagram posing thing. We'd do stuff just so we're gonna show it later on an Instagram. My best training sessions is when I don't video because I'm, I'm in it for myself. But if I wanna have an easy day and I, wanna, and I do something that's different, oh, what? I can, whoa, this is good. Oh, I'm gonna video this. Just for myself, and then later on, I start to post it. Oh, I'll post this. You know, no offense, and I really appreciate all the support I get, and it, and it encourages me to do even better because I never started it to be a role model or um, inspire anyone. I wanted, I wanted to show that I'm doing it yeah, to get a job. I want to get more work. I'm not fat. I'm doing it. Even if I was fat, who cares? You know, it was one of those, it's, I'm still got the passion. It will never leave me. I will do it like, Five months of training, I'm still tw twisting around and doing things. You know, it's just, it's always there. But, um, and I'm, re I'm really grateful for the support. And it has made me think more about things different. Now, I've, I'm thinking about teaching again now. Whereas I didn't want to teach, I used to teach. And so I'm thinking about doing that. Because I, 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 I think a lot of kids could benefit from your perspective. Yeah, and that's why I was thinking, you know, I, I never taught my kids because, but, I see kids now and I've got a lot, the younger generation following me. And so it's, it, I'm kind of feeling like the old me again, you know, when I start, when I start teaching, there's a different side of me that comes out. And, and, and I start remembering, oh, well, I know this. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. And my brain starts doing crisscrosses and I can't get the words out because there's a lot of information in here that I just put to the side because I just train. I don't, I'm not saying this is a death technique in this. I'm just going to look good in movies. How can I stretch my body so far? And, make it look impossible. And it's all about a dance for me. But when I teach, and I, and I went to teach my son, he punched my bag the other day. And I went and then I felt awkward afterwards because I, I changed. I taught him how to punch it. And I tried not to use any words that were associated with hitting anyone. Mm. And because I wanted to teach him properly um, so he wouldn't hurt himself and teach him a good punch. If you're gonna use, I said, the punch is the last thing you do. Because once you close that fist and you twist and you can't make contact, that's it. You've lost your self-dignity, you know, unless you really have to. And it's, that's why I never punch the bag angry. I never get angry at it. 
because once I did do it and I almost broke my wrist, like, and I was angry at myself. But I never, it's always artistic. So I taught him, but I felt sick afterwards. So I taught, I, I used the words like, if you had to defend yourself, I felt sick teaching them now. So I, I did what my, my teachers do, get a piece of paper, and you, and you do a, pro, if you do a proper punch, not a boxing punch, but a martial art punch, you twist, it's called a midsection punch. If you can snap the paper in half without touching it from the air, then you've got a good punch. So I taught him that. And he was fascinated by a pizza box. He said, look, this is the difference. If you just throw a punch, you, you know, hear the sound. But if you just back, snap it, it's not a lot of power, but speed, you know, Bruce Lee, it goes, whack, it cracks like a big belt. It goes, bang. And he was just amazing. I hardly touched it. And so it was a nice little game. And that's when I got a piece of paper. Because it is. Trying to try snap a piece of paper, just holding it without touching it. Some yeah. ninja stuff there. Yeah. No, and you're right. And once you've thrown that punch, you're like you, you have lost a little bit of yourself. I was a, I was a bouncer at a bar. Where we oh, really? A, yeah, we had, a, we had a fight every Tuesday. I actually broke up a knife fight that I was the tough. Key, I was the key witness for six years to put that guy in prison. And uh, wow. oh yeah, yeah. I used to pick people up and pile drive them. What? Wrestle moves. Use their head to knock open doors. Like these are dumb drunks taking swings at me who's sober. Like I don't like to fight. Like the fact that you think you can take me right now, you're just being stupid. Wow. I know I could never take you. I don't even like no, to fight. But at the same time, it's like I knew, you know, once you get to that physical thing, you you are losing a little bit of yourself. And yeah. You've lost the fight, and like I said, I've, I prefer to talk my way out of a fight. I hate fighting. Yeah, me too. I, so I, I mean, I like pretending to be artistic and do a, a fantastic routine, but I don't, when I hear stories about people looking for fights, I get really, um, I cringe from personal experiences. You know, I've been on a, the wrong receiving end of that once. And, um, well, especially I never, as a martial artist, people want to step up to you and challenge you. Well, I don't walk around like a martial artist. I don't go, you know, and that's what I want people to know, you know, just because I do really fantastic things in, in movies doesn't mean I'm a badass in real life, like what you think in movies. And, you know, I'm, you know, I can't fight my way out. I mean, I'm from the old school fighting. You don't you want to see me going, blah, 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 blah. I'm running away, you know, so I'm not, you know, it's not, it's not me, you know, and so... Don't be and, disappointed. Well, in, in, in this day of bullying, and now most of bullying is done on social media, I think that's a really good message that kids need to hear, especially from Darth Maul. Well, yeah, you know, I've I got a friend who's telling me stories about eight-year-olds thinking about killing themselves and, and having thoughts like, when I was eight, I, I had no way thought, I never thought anything like that, ever. So, it really, it, so I look at my kids and I look at them. And sometimes you're in your own world and you're busy and I'm focusing about what, how can I improve myself, but not really paying attention sometimes, you know, like, cause I mean, I'm, and parents do that when you're tired. And then I, 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 I said to my wife the other day, I was like, I if I could read minds, then I would know what's going on with the kids because you never know. Right. And it's been happening a lot more. It's a lot more. And, and, the biggest thing is it's, it's, it's this help, you know, we, we know about it, you know, it's not, and it just saddens me, you know, like kids would think that to go there, you know? Yeah, yeah. interrupt you, man. Sorry. No, 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 no. I wasn't trying to interrupt you either. Like, yeah. and, and and you're right. And that's the way society has changed so much compared to when we were when we were kids. Yeah. Yeah. It was. I mean, I've even heard my mom and dad say things. Like, I've said things out loud because I'm just angry myself. You know, like oh, I'm sick of this, or you know, you know, 
I came out to LA to work as an actor, you know, and we were talking about conventions earlier. I, I know actors that want to do a job so they can do a convention, you know, which is fine. It's great. Conventions are wicked. It's the best. You know, it's fun. You get the, look, you get the right nerd role. You can make money the rest of your life just signing autographs. Yeah. You know, and, and people used to look down as a shame. I still have a hard time getting around in my mind. The autographs, selling autographs, selling for photos. I, it's still, it, it's still really, it's like, that's why I don't teach at the moment because you get it for free. And I'm not a very good businessman because what happens is when I used to do privates, and I was dark, and then, oh, wait, you want to train with dark more? So it'd be like, from 50 pounds an hour, it become 200 pounds an hour because everyone's telling you that's what you should be charging because you start more. And so I was like, what? So yeah, I knew I'd never make money out of, no, not make money, support myself and my family from teaching. Because none, none of, all of my peers, they just about got by, but they loved it. And the thing is, is that I watched my mom and dad scrape and suffer, borrow money from all their neighbors and shopkeepers to send me to Malaysia at 15. When they had no money, I remember Christmases we had no money, and then no, you know. So I've had a thing about Christmas for a long time because it's right. Just because Christmas doesn't mean you're going to get all loads of presents, but you do. Santa does bring presents, but it's about being with each other as well and all that. And so I just remember those times, and it stuck in my head. I went to Malaysia and China. I never got charged once, and you'd always offer, and you, and the masters would be getting up at five in the morning and train you and teach you new forms. And so it has something in me, like if I was to give up everything, I've got to make money somehow and support the family and I'll figure something out, you know, probably, you know, I don't know, you, dance for a living or something like that. But you don't have to charge an arm and a leg to make it work either. Yeah, so and, I'm that's, to and that's the great thing about you is you, you realize that you're not trying to screw people over. You want to pass on your actual knowledge. And brother, I believe in you. If you, if you want to do this, you'll find a way to do it. Yeah, like if you want to come and learn from Darth Maul lightsabers, yeah, I'm going to charge you the secret stuff because I work my ass off for all that stuff. The, the, the grinding and the suffering and crying every night when I was younger. I'm joking. But, you know, but if you come up to me at a convention and you say, I'm a martial arts, you do this. And then that's what happens. If you ever notice, if I, I get really excited when I hit other people come up and talk about martial arts. Not that I'm showing myself, I, they just remind me of, my old self. It's not like hey, I have to prove myself. I like hearing what they can do. And then it just kind of just buzzes me. And then it makes me want to do more martial arts. And more, I want to learn more. I feel like I know nothing. I'm just, my body just goes into play whenever a certain beat is on and I just move. And whatever I've done over the years, it just falls into play. But it's, um, I wouldn't know what the best technique would be do, to do, what the, the best martial art is to do. The best one is one that you enjoy just for yourself, you know? Right. I came on here thinking, I'm only going to do 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, because i got some training to do. I want to get outside and skate. And I'm going to get my lightsaber. I'm going to post another video. But now it's going to be midnight before I might get to do that. I was a bit sick of me. I, you know what? I should have known better that we were just going to talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like a two-hour podcast with the other guests. But uh, no, actually, uh, but no, this is a good place to end. And yes, yeah, so, you, man, you're great, you know man. I've We've you covered so much. Uh, I can't wait to see you again in person. It, it's it's been a while. Um, I do have shows. I do have shows to promote. But yeah, done. yeah, yeah, yeah. We changed the subject. Sure. Let's let's get to that, and we'll end this baby. But you got conventions coming up. What's coming up? Yeah, because see, I, you asked me a question, and I gave you something else. This is how we get right. We give him a certain question, and he's going to talk about something else. Just put keywords in there. 
ADHD, brother. Okay, upcoming cons. All right, so I'm uh, last minute booking to Ace in Boston. Ewan McGregor's going to be there. Ooh, nice. Ace, Ace, great convention run uh, by yeah. uh, Stephen old yeah. friend they used to run wizard world convention yeah. he puts yeah. on a good convention i recommend the ace convention because that's awesome to hear what else uh, it was all last minute because i kind of was like taking a break and then i suddenly went hey i need i want to get out of there i want to do something now i want to do something now like this weekend so there's a few i've just missed i would have done it's so that and then kentucky I forgot, um i don't have the contract in front of me but it's, in, it's the following weekend after ace hold on one oh. second i can, I can Which, tell you now hold on which your fans can find as you post them coming up on your Instagram and social media. They're still being confirmed and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's two coming up uh, next month in March. Oh, and awesome. then I've got, I'm going to Argentina in May, which is I'm looking forward to. Ooh. I had to cancel two shows last year that I want to revisit this year because things are going on in my life and personal. And I just need to readjust. But Panama and Colombia... I want to do that again. So if anyone from Panama and Columbus is wondering why I cancelled, I will hopefully be there this year or next. I would like to do that. I've actually heard, say that. I've heard really good things about the Panama Convention, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to do it, but it was just, I want to take the family with me and I want to make it a nice trip. But it was just circumstance. I cancelled a bunch of shows last year, but just things are happening. You know, it just, I didn't want to cancel. I hate cancelling shows, ever. I mean, who wants to cancel a good time, you know? You know, a great time away. So, and then... um. There's a few. I'm going to be in Washington in the summer, which is great. I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I was, you know, in January, I was thinking about getting in my truck, packing one bag of gym gear, and just saying to my manager, John, can you put me up some shows like every weekend or every two or three weekends? I was just going to drive across the United States, do a, a documentary for myself, go to every gym, sleep in a truck, camp out, and just do something and go all the way over to, uh, to Washington at first to see my buddy Will. Uh, he's a deputy sheriff. I was going to go and hang out with him and I helped him build his like gym and stuff like that because I've said I would do bring my tools. And then uh, and then it was just like, hey, I'm just going to do a road trip just by myself. And maybe I'll find a dog along the way and he'll follow me and it'll be, you know, it'll be like Timber. And we'll have this new life thing going on. And the dog and I will have this conversation and I'll be on the road again. Oh my God. 80s, I, man. I can't wait for that movie. <laughs> That's awesome. So follow Ray Park on all of his social media so you can find out what conventions he's going to be adding to his list as the year goes on. Now There's only two social medias, Twitter and Instagram. That's it. Nothing else. That's all you need, really. Well, so, I, I didn't even want to do Instagram at one point, and I, and I canceled Twitter years ago, and then people start advertising me shows and fans. Come, you were supposed to be there show last week. So I had to sign back. I was anti all of that. And then I had to sign back up just to keep in check. Yeah, I don't care if you want to pretend to be me, but just don't abuse people and do bad things and be perverted or whatever. It, you know, and then think it's me. Right. And then come up and threaten me or challenge me when I don't know what you're talking about. No one's done that to me. But that's what I get concerned about kids getting taken advantage of and stuff like that. I don't care if you want to pretend to be me, but just don't take advantage of people. You know, like, if people do it and sign up. And it does, I don't sit there and go, Oh no, there's another person taking my name on Instagram. I better shut them down. I don't care. I just I worry about the fans, you know. I see, I see there's 2,000 followers. Wait a minute, 2,000 people think that's me. What have they been there? What has he been saying or she been saying? What has the computer been saying, you know? Yeah, you got to be careful. The internet's a weird place. Yeah, and, and when family members believe false news, you know, what? 
what are you talking about? You know, just because it was said once on the internet. Oh, because it said once on the internet, it must be right. Yeah, no, actually, and I remember something happening a year ago where I jumped on your Instagram and was like, y'all need to shut up. You don't know the what a nice yeah. guy this guy is. Like, yeah, yeah. I still don't even know what the hell happened, but I was immediately was like jumping to your defense. No, I saw that, man. Come on, man. <laughs> fisticuffs. I, I'm old timey fisticuffs. That's oh, if I was ever to do that, that's, that's, yeah, if I, that's, that's what I wanted to do. So my brother was doing uh, uh, unlicensed fighting at one point. He was testing himself, you know, like it's legal, illegalized. You know, I mean, you get in, you get in the square and it's a Sunday morning fight. They, they were doing a bit. It was a big thing in England at the time, and you know, the big promotions and the big banners they would have for the fights and that. And it was making it was generating a lot of uh, not money, but it was popular. So I had this fantasy in my head that I would do it because everyone would go, that's Rick Park, that's Chris Park's brother. He's going to be good. I'd come out with my little moustache and actually fight bops like that, like the old timers, and do the whole shuffle thing and just have fun with it. Not use any martial arts at all, but just have fun for entertainment. And you just reminded me of that. That would be hilarious, but I got to tell you, everyone in that audience would have been extremely disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'd be hard to be hard to jump in the ring and not pick up my foot. I don't know if I've ever done it, but it's, <laughs> I'm so used to doing it outside with Bob. That he looks at me and I go, what are you looking at? And then, but I never hit him angrily. He's my mate, but he's helped me improve, you know? And then suddenly, is that one of your, your cats, your dogs? Yeah, the kid, he just pushed the door open. And oh, what? In. That's time for you to go. It's food uh, time. Hi, babies. Hell, ah. Yes. This is Lilu. She wanted to be so high. You know, Lilu, beautiful. Fifth Element. Yeah, beautiful. So, but yeah, uh, brother, it has been an absolute pleasure, honor, and treat having you on the podcast and just catching up with you. I can't wait to see you again in person. Hopefully, once I get the doctors to figure out what the fuck is wrong with my Yeah. Where about she located? Uh, I'm, oh, I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico now. Oh, what? So you're about an hour away, yeah? Yeah, I mean, time's no. on. Time's yeah, on. yeah, time? yeah. An hour away, and it's like a nine-hour drive to get back to California, which I can't do by myself. Actually, I'll be out there in October for uh, my best friend's wedding. Let's try and hook up. I might come out. I might, I'm thinking it's a spontaneous thing of coming out to New Mexico uh, soon, just for a little road trip. So if I do, I'll let you know. You absolutely should, man. This town I'll is come cool, to and I, I, I'm not going to lie. Albuquerque has some of the nicest people I've ever freaking met. Like I was not expecting that here, and it's it, it's amazing. Like it, it's yeah. I, I was I was not excited to move here because when you did know, you move? Uh, back in September after right. I was I was living with my sister in uh, San Diego, and uh, she overdosed this summer, and she was my caretaker. So I had to move it move here with my other sister, who's now my new caretaker. So, yeah, what? life changes and happens fast. Did she overdose and pass away, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. shit, man, sorry. Yeah. yeah, so don't do drugs, kids. Stay away yeah. from that fentanyl. It's nasty, nasty stuff. And she's a nurse, and she should have known better. So, but her mental health... She was in health, pain, yeah? Yeah, her mental health wasn't there. Oh, no, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, it, <clears throat> it, is, it, is, it is what it is. It's, it's a harsh reality, but it's part of my life and my reality and I don't mind talking about it because it's something mm. that should be discussed openly and honestly. I've heard that, yeah, you're right. Like one of my sisters, uh, my daughters, they upset me because she was upset, but bullying, it's at age group, you know, like not my daughter, but someone at her school 
went to her party, maybe kids a little bit older, but something happened where she felt bad and, and upset and she overdosed, ended up overdosing prescription and it wasn't hers. And that's what's frightening. It's so scary that, you know, it's sung about in songs and like it's a, it's a okay, I'm going to pop this and be on a flight and I'm going to do this. No, 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 that, this is serious. Mm -hmm. and it's very addictive and it can mess you up. Yep, exactly. You know, so I'm really sorry to hear about that, man. That's why I don't take painkillers anymore. Um, I swore not to take them. Even when I was in pain, I don't want anything. I just want to know if it's okay. Extremely and, addictive. Yeah, and because, and but when I had my hip surgery, I had to take them because it was scary. But I'm, I don't take them and I don't want to take them, you know. But yeah. I can see where you can get messed up and hooked. And, and, and same. And with the pain I'm dealing with that we were talking about earlier, like I've been offered painkillers by the doctors and I flat out said no because for one, I don't like painkillers, never have. Two, I got to be in that the most excruciating pain that I got to take them. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and and three, I have been in that kind of pain, and they didn't touch my pain. So if yeah, it's not yeah. if it's not working for the amount of pain I'm in, what's the point? Yeah, well, you do. You start just taking them, and then it's like more than you're supposed to take if you're not in pain. My wife always says to me, "You never take painkillers when you're supposed to." I don't want it. I don't want them. I, don't want them. I took a Tylenol for the first time in a year just recently because my hip is killing me. It's waking me up at night. So I eventually have to get my other hip replaced. He told me that when I had my first one done. So I was cranking and it's my good leg. I'm, I'm like, blah, 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 blah. I know I'm messing myself up even more. Really, I should not be kicking, been doing yoga and doing little exercises, but no, I want to go all out, put it in the best gear I can and just go, 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 go. So last night was a terrible night for me last night. I was in so much pain, like it was annoying. Well, I welcomed it, you know, it was kind of weird, but it was annoying. It, like, it stopped me from sleeping the last couple of nights, but I do not want to, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. No, I don't want it. I want to do, you know, it, I don't, it's, it's just, I know from the first hip surgery, what to do better now, you know, because I had solo coming yeah. out. I wanted to get, I wanted to be recovered fast. You know, speed up, speed up. Cause you know, but now I'll just let, you know, as long as you go in there fit and healthy, you'll bounce back quicker. Yeah, the body's amazing. The body is an amazing yeah. self-healing thing when done right, so yeah. Yeah, I hope everything works out with you, man. It, you know what, it will, I have faith, and yeah. you know, life life moves on. You just, you deal with it the best you can with the, yeah. card, with the cards you're dealt, so. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. You know, I hope I haven't made you suffer too much keeping you on. How long have we been on here, two hours? I don't know, I lost, I, I'll find out after I hit Stop recording. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's <laughs> me recently. I've just been doing this. Well, talking. this is what happens when you're on your own. You sit by yourself. Yeah, I know. And, and there's another reason. Look, with everything I've been going on, I've been going stir crazy sitting at home. Yeah. I'm like, well, it's time to start the podcast back up from 10 years ago and just do it from home so that I don't go. I mean, this, is yeah. for my, this is for my mental health. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. You're actually and helping my mental health. And you actually help. I said to my wife, I said, I don't normally do podcast interviews. I told you at the beginning. And uh, I said, but I like, I like him and it's important I wanted to do it and he's been asking me and, and she goes, no, it'll be good for you. You need something to stick, that, stick to and have a routine, you know, because I'm free and do things and train whenever I want. But yeah, and especially what you went through, man, as well. I didn't, it's been a lot for you as well, you know, you know keep, keep focused, man. Well, it is. And, you know, positivity is a choice. It doesn't, it doesn't mean I don't recognize the negativity and everything. Oh, else, yeah. But, Staying positive has always been one of my monikers. Positivity breeds positivity. You think positive, you speak positive, you act positive. 
positive things happen in your life. Yeah, you know, I do, I do agree with that. I think Vic Armstrong, one of the gods of uh, the stunt world, you know, Indiana Jones, he always had a smile on his face. And someone else told me a story that he always smiled and everyone else around him was always happy because he was always happy. Sometimes I choose to be in a mood. I feel a mood on. I want to stay in that mood. It feels it's somewhere I'm comfortable with sometimes, but I have to recognize, I do recognize now it affects everyone else in the family. Even though I'm not telling them and I'm not acting moody to them, but they, it's like, you know, they, you pick up. So I, I've learned now. It's, it's, it's energy and smiles are contagious, like yeah. you're talking about basically. And I, agree, yeah. and I agree with you. Positivity, man, does open up a lot of doors. Like getting out of bed and going, right, I'm going to get a job. I used, to, I used to come out to LA and go, I'm going to get something this week. I can feel it. And then you, you learn a job. You know, so it is. Something, it helps. Keeps you motivated. Manifestation. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of stresses in life. You know, everyone thinks I'm living off Star Wars money and I'm all right. I'll tell you something. I haven't got any money in the bank. I'm just about to pay my mortgage. Star Wars money was anyone. spent a long time ago. Doing yeah. one movie doesn't make you wealthy and rich, people. No, it, it, so it doesn't. And doing TV shows doesn't. And if you can get merch, if you, I don't do merchandise, but if you can get like sponsors and stuff through sports and stuff, and you can support yourself. But it's, yeah, it's just... Life, if, you're not, if you're not working, you're not making money. And that's why you go to conventions to yeah. subsidize that. Yeah, and, and be out there and be able, and it reinforces. Yeah, it does. You know, no one does conventions for free, but it's like I would. I still like have my heart. That's what I said. And my buddy said to me, "Stop saying you'll do stuff for free." People are watching. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but my my mindset before Phantom Menace. You know, I've got kids and mortgages and bills to pay. And believe me, those are really close. No, for the last three months, I've had no money in the bank, and I've behind three months in my mortgage and and truck. But I'm not stressed out. I was, but I didn't want to train. But now I'm just like, well, whatever, you know, whatever. Yeah, I what, still got me. And and I'm I'm a, and keep uh, just everything you're talking about and your energy and everything. I'm excited to see what's about to come your way because I think something will. I hope so, man. I hope it's something that I really enjoy. Not for fame, not for money. Something that I can just go. I'm really proud of this. I can actually. I can walk away from something going, I could have done that better. Why was I nervous? I can just, if it's acting or whatever, I just want to be really happy about it. And I, I always said, why do I want, I would never do a job I don't want to do. No. Why? I was just going, why are you doing that anyway? Why don't you do a job you want to do to someone? But sometimes you have to now. But I still go, no, I'm doing a job I want to. If it means me losing the house, I'm going to do my job. But it's not fun being stressed out and thinking you're going to lose the house. It's no. not fun at all. Whoever came up with the idea of bills monthly is an idiot and an asshole. I'm pissed off at them. <laughs> yeah. But uh, brother. Yeah, man. Thank you very much for being on the show. I look forward to seeing you here in New Mexico or soon out there in California. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll be seeing you soon, man. You know, like if you ever need anything or just a little chat, give me a, give me a, you got my number now. Give me a little tinkle and uh, you're not that far away. It's been a while since I've done a show. I always look at shows for, Okay, I've got a buddy there, I can do this. I, I want to do that show. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be seeing you soon, man. But thanks. Uh, sorry for talking so long. I swore to myself, no energy drinks, just a coffee. Don't train first. Talk to you first. Because if I train, I'm going to be even more. So, um, I'm, I'm just like that anyway. I appreciate it. I got nothing but love for you, brother. And you too, I will man. see Thank you, you somewhere down the road. Yeah, I'll see you soon, man. And uh, keep strong and may the force be with you. Sith rule!